Here we go. No, here we don't go. I did not turn up the volume. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm, I'm fading quickly. Here we go. Great new intro, Steve. Thank you. Thank you so much, Eric. I appreciate your support. Here we go. Dark days for the Goliverse. A technological terror. Star Wars reference. Erased a decade's worth of geekdom. Meanwhile, fans lash out at one another as they find themselves divided by differing opinions. You wrote a thesis with very little actual substance. Your claims that story wasn't built by is insane. Your claim that these characters lack motivation is false. Just because a film presents ideal, what is this generic bandwagon stuff? Then, in the darkness, a voice breaks through the cacophony of trolls, whiners, and Twilight fans. We can geek out together. One upload at a time, the light breaks through. And like a comic book character who dies and returns two issues later, the safe place to geek out returns. This is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. And welcome back to Geek Out Loud on the Goliverse for Cure Marathon happening here on January 20th of 2018. We are, uh, wow, we're, we, we've got a ways to go, everybody. We're 38% of our goal at 1885 of $5,000 raised for Cure. You can check out more about Cure at curechildhoodcancer.com. If you're catching this episode via the podcast feed, um, you can still donate if it's before January 31st. Donation shut down on January 31st. Help us get to our goal of $5,000 raised. We've been up against uh, a wall uh, this year as uh, all the technical difficulties we had through December and into January caused us to not be able to promote this properly. So we are depending on you to swing back around and really help us out uh, by making our goal uh, as we near the end of the month. If you're listening to this via the podcast feed, the, the link to go to to get to the first giving page is online dot com slash cure now all that is is just a is a link that was created to get you to the first giving page we see none of this money this all goes directly to cure and uh, their mission statement is to find a cure to childhood cancer uh, in our lifetime they're dedicated to conquering childhood cancer through funding targeted research and through support of patients and their families it's a nonprofit organization and uh, it was founded actually by parents who knew firsthand the heartbreak and fear of having a child with cancer. So you can help them out by going to geekoutonline.com slash cure. We do this every year. It's it's really the birthday present I want is to see us raise as much money as we possibly can for uh for cure. Now we gotta bring him in. Oh this is this is someone who I wish we lived close enough just to hang out all the time. Because we always have fun. 
We're always on the same page. We're always in sync. And even when we disagree, we disagree as only brothers can because he is my brother from another mother. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Erich Schoenerweiss. Erich. What's up, my brother? Man, it's good to talk to you. It's been so good during the marathon for the past few hours just to have you on and and chat. It, it, it feels, it, it's just been too long since we've done this. I was just thinking, as you said, that I should just road trip down for like a weekend. Anytime. I'll take you to the Bigfoot Museum on me. All right. I'm <laughs> down for that. Dude, it's awesome. <laughs> Maybe go like the weekend that Ready Player One opens. We oh, go see that together yeah. Or something like that. Yes. That'd be awesome. Don't you tempt me with a good time. I'd be down for it. A little road trip action. That'd be great. You... We'll talk. We'll talk offline. We'll make this happen. Sounds good. Well, let's get right into it, Eric. So we're going to do something. We're going to do a little bit different this time around, but it's still a little bit of passing the corn. Well, Eris, we were talking about what we want to do for the marathon, and we wanted to do some Pass the Corn, but we also want to kind of shake things up, and we're here at the beginning of the year. Uh, We're looking ahead to 2018 and a lot of fun stuff coming up, but before we get into what is coming and what we're looking forward to, uh, I want to talk about maybe what we've been geeking out about or geeking out on lately. Now, on our Rebel Yell episode, we talked a lot of TLJ to some, it may seem like a heated discussion, but it was a passionate discussion, and no one was mad. No one was upset. We just had a really good talk. And um, and, and TLJ, The Last Jedi, is something I'm still kind of coming to terms with. I, I think even, you know, these three or four years in or so, I'm still coming in coming to terms with Star Wars without George Lucas. Um, but I will say that there's so much to love about The Last Jedi that, there's no sense in anyone getting their panties in a wad over it, if I can use that terminology, Erich. No, I, I, I think I agree with you on that. It was a movie I definitely really enjoyed. Um, you know, it, it wasn't perfect, no, but come on, these days, what movie is perfect, aside right. from the first Guardians of the Galaxy? There you, oh, man. <laughs> can, okay, top, let's just talk about Guardians again. <laughs> <laughs> down with that. Um, Everyone grab your copy of Guardians of the Galaxy, put it in, zero, zero out your counter. Here we go. I just I I really enjoyed Last Jedi and I think of anything the thing I'm really excited and hopeful for what they the possibilities for episode 9 are. You know, so, and, and and the thing is and and I've thought about this just in the few minutes since we we finished up Rebel Yell. The thing is is that really the slate is almost clean for episode nine. Um, I agree. Yeah. You, you know, there, there's so much that was undone in some ways by Ryan Johnson, but so much that was set up as well, that there's just a million ways it can go. And it is something we haven't had in star Wars in a long, long time, mm-hmm. even with rebels and not knowing where things are going. And we still kind of know where things are going because it happens just prior to the original star Wars or a few years prior to the original star Wars. So we know as, as that show has shaped up, we've all kind of, found ourselves in a direction though we're very invested in these characters and not really knowing where how they end up there's still this thing of well i know how the overall story goes and 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 with the prequels you know you knew you were leading to that moment where anakin would turn and become darth vader 
Um, in the Clone Wars, you you knew that you were headed to Revenge of the Sith, and even though they did some amazing things with Clone Wars, there was always this idea of you knew kind of the final destination. And, and I think it's just been, and, and I think you guys, you and Teresa really made this point well, is it's been so long as Star Wars fans, for those of us who are longtime Star Wars fans, since we really knew where we were headed, you know, since we didn't know where we he- we were headed, I should say, um, that it's it's almost a new experience for a lot of fans. Yeah. And, and so it's really interesting. I want to follow up on one thing, because we'd started talking, I'd started bringing up the Canto Bite situation, and we got a little bit into Rose and Finn's arc and everything, and 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 while I still feel that there's some editing things that could have been done to maybe shorten things up, not necessarily the Canto Bite, but what was going on there, um, <clears throat> the, the, a lot of people talk about how it was kind of pointless and everything, but I did see one person who really swayed me on this, and it and it's what that whole journey did for Finn, because Finn, the moment we met Finn in The Force Awakens, he was just always in this for himself. He wanted to get away from the First Order, and then when he met Ray, he was only concerned with saving Ray. That's why he goes to Starkiller Base. Yep. That's, you know, when he wakes up, it's all about finding Ray and making sure Ray is safe when she comes back to find the fleet or whatever the case may be. But when he's facing down Phasma and she calls him scum, he looks at her and he says, Rebel scum. Finn takes a journey where he chooses a side and he chooses yes. a cause to buy into. And I think that's very important for that character. Now, was it a fool's errand? You could say so, but it was also. They were put in a position where this is all these guys knew to do to try to do what they could do to help, to help the resistance. You know, or now the new rebellion. And well, it, but let's remember that his this journey that he partakes in the Last Jedi, it's again because he's trying to save Rey. Right. But because she's got the beacon that will bring her back mm-hmm. to the fleet. But right. if the fleet is destroyed or taken over by the first order then she's going to be destroyed or captured as yeah. well so he's doing this to save ray right and, and that that's what sets him out on this journey exactly because, you know it, and it's as he's going about this that he starts to see the bigger picture mm-hmm. and it's and it's really and it's a good character arc for him because it's going to put him in a place in nine where he's fighting for the rebellion you know, and he is doing what Rose t- tells him to do, and that is stop trying to destroy what we hate and fight for what we love. Yeah. And uh, and so I, yeah, I mean, so so I wanted to throw that in there because I didn't get to that point in in Rebel Yell, and 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 we really didn't make it today when Shaz and I were talking uh, last Jedi a little bit earlier. Um, but I saw that I forget who tweeted it out, and I'm sorry for not giving them the credit, but it really it really kind of shaped, it really reshaped my thoughts about his arc and what he went through um, in the story. Uh, you know, everything else, like I say, I think a lot of could have been done with some editing. I was, after my first viewing, it kind of dawned on me, no one said, I have a bad feeling about this, and that really bothered me. <laughs> and I mean, it really did, until the second viewing when BB-8 says what he says and Poe says, happy thoughts, buddy. And I'm like, I think BB-8 said I have a bad feeling about this. That's possible. Well, I think it's been confirmed. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that it's actually been confirmed that BB-8 said I have a bad feeling about this. And I love that Poe was interacting with the droid in his X-Wing and everything. That whole opening scene is just yeah, awesome. It is great. great. Yeah, it is great. So I, 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 I want to bring that up so that 
if you listen to Rebel Yell and you turn around and listen to this, you will be a little bit encouraged that Steve did not hate The Last Jedi. That that the problems I have with The Last Jedi don't come from the story or the visuals. There there are a few, but there's some filmmaking things that they did that Ryan Johnson did and employed that I wasn't a big fan of just because it didn't really fit the visual language and that sing-song language of Star Wars that uh, Lucas established with his six movies. Um, and and I thought it was a great discussion that you and I had with Shaz and with Teresa. Yeah, me too. So uh, definitely check out that episode of Rebel Yell. Yeah. So where? What have you been since we've been around? What well, you been? What you been out on? Speaking of Star Wars, yeah. Uh, you know, over the break, I was out with my my nephews a lot, and uh, I really got into the new Battlefront Two video game. Um, I I enjoyed that this one actually has a campaign in it and you know i'm not i don't like playing online with the other people i don't need to spawn in and get killed 30 seconds later by some 13 year old or whatever i just like to play the campaign on my own um and the campaign in this game was really fun uh although i have to say that i got stuck because i can't fly the millennium falcon (laughs) oh really (laughs) yeah i just i i that ship's impossible for me to pilot so I, I, there is a point, I think I'm about halfway through, where I'm just stuck and I'm hung up because I can't fly the Falcon. Um, but there's a lot of cool stuff in there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of nods to the current, to the canon. There's some nods to our books and to the Force Awakens and stuff. There's some cool stuff in it. I was really, really digging on it. I have uh, I haven't talked to anyone really who's played it, and so that's cool to hear. I know that the the first well not the first Battlefront, but you know the last Battlefront they did. A lot of people were a little bit discouraged because of the lack of the campaign situation. It was all kind of like online play and player versus player stuff. Yeah. Um, so uh, I know I know that when I sit down to play a video game, I want the campaign. I want something to beat rather than other people. And. Um, and, and so, uh, so I'm glad to hear, I'm glad to hear good things about it because Battlefront, those vi- those original video games back on I think like the PlayStation and the GameCube or what have you, were almost essential gameplay for Star oh, Wars yeah. fans. They were you know? a blast. Yeah. So um, it's it's really good to hear, and and I know there's more of a story, and of course you've got the Inferno Squad tie-in novel that goes with it and everything. Mm. Um, so. But like you get there's. You get to play as Han Solo. You get to play as oh, wow. Princess Leia. There's a really cool part where you're you don't play as Luke. Wait, do you play as Luke? You're I, I forget. Yeah, I think you do get to play as Luke because you get to use the lightsaber. But it's him. You you're playing one of the Inferno Squad characters and you run into him as he's he's kind of like Indiana Jonesing his way through. Hmm one of Palpatine's old uh, observatories, and he's looking for force artifacts. Mm. Um, So you get a little bit of the sense of this is what Luke's doing after Return of the Jedi, Mm -hmm. like out there looking for these artifacts. So it was really cool to see that and uh, just fun to play, you know, get to swing the lightsaber around and stuff. Um, Yeah, I really enjoyed it. There's some cool stuff in it. Yeah, yeah. And you've been watching The Crown on Netflix? Oh, I am like, that's that's the thing that has blown me away the most in the last couple months is 
the the two seasons of The Crown on Netflix. It's just and look, I am not somebody who is into the Royals. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not going Gaga for the upcoming wedding and stuff like that. I I kind of started watching this just because I had heard people talking about how good it was, and I just I needed a show to like to to watch. So I gave it a couple episodes, and it just started sucking me in. And then, as the se- the first season went on, I got more and more enthralled with it. And then the second season was just fantastic. Um, uh, it follows, you know, it's the story of Queen Elizabeth, and um, it pretty much picks up. The first episode is when her father passes away, and she takes on the mantle of the throne. Mm. Um, and for anybody who's seen the King's Speech. You know that movie a couple of years ago yeah, with Colin yeah. Firth in it, the the stuttering king. That was her father. Oh, nice. Um, like that's kind of how I know the royals is from like stuff I've seen in the movies. True. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just it the, the acting is phenomenal in it. The production values are great. It's so well put together. But it's just that I have this whole new appreciation for this woman. Like I'm watching all of this and like, I'm just sitting there. I'm like, she's still sitting on the throne today. Like she's the longest reigning monarch. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and it's just, it's fascinating to watch and like the history involved with it. Um, John Lithgow plays Winston Churchill and he's fantastic. Um, some of the, the, the ins and outs of the family. It's like stuff right out of game of Thrones or, you know, game of Thrones might've been taking it from that, but it's just really, really well done, really fascinating to watch. So if you're looking for a fantastic drama, like I highly recommend it. Yeah. I have, um, I haven't really been watching. Well, I'll tell you what I did get into on Netflix. Someone suggested to me and, and I don't know that I've been geeking out on it, but I have been watching. I've kind of gotten sucked into it is this show from sci-fi called The Magicians. Um, it's not really kid-friendly, but it's it's basically Harry Potter. If Harry Potter were done modern... Well, I guess Harry Potter is modern day, but if it were done more modern day in in America. Is it, is it based on Lev Grossman's book? I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I haven't really... i positive on that. I haven't really dug into it, um, but it's, it's, these ki- it's these kids who are um, who they're college age. They're getting ready to kind of graduate, and for the graduate stuff, they end up going to this school. Uh, they get sucked into, or they get kind of tricked into, going to, uh, going to this school where they, they take a test and they discover magic is real, and it becomes this whole thing of there's a threat that they're, you know, end up just like you would think. So, yeah, this is definitely, this is based on those books, apparently. I'm looking here. Um and uh, and like I say, it does feel very Harry Potter, the college years-ish, years-ish. and it's not necessarily kid-friendly. There's a lot of language and, you know, some content that I don't know that I would let kids watch, but I've kind of gotten sucked into it, you know? It's not the most well-made show, <laughs> but I'm like, I gotta know, I kind of gotta know what happens here. Um, the main characters, like the quirky dude who is super talented, you know, and that sort of thing. And Quentin Coldwater? Quint- oh, Quentin Coldwater. Oh, Q. Quentin Makepeace Coldwater, by the way. Um, the girl who plays Alice looks a lot like a young Reese Witherspoon. Um, so it's it's just been a fun show. And the other thing is, I've been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this season. You know, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has been either hit or just dead miss. 
Um, I don't know that they've necessarily knocked a home run ever with that show, but it just continues to chug along, and now they've been drugged into a future where the world has been destroyed, basically. And now, the, careful, because I'm like three episodes behind. Okay. And the, so don't spoil. I like won't. The, no, I won't. And the Kree are in charge, and so there's this weird dystopian thing going on. And, um, and when they and sh- Earth has been destroyed. Right, right. Like they're living on like a space station that's like on part of the remnants of, of Earth. Earth or something right. like that. And I love that I love in the first episode of the season when they when they kind of all show up there, Mac is like, "We're in space." Well, that's good. We haven't been to space yet. Yeah, you know? it's like we've done everything, but we haven't been to space. And they're it was throwing in a bunch of little nods like that, like yes. little kind of break the fourth wall sort of humor. Yeah, but they also remove themselves from the current things going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to be able to focus on just these characters and what they're doing and it really feels like a comic book series, you know, that you know, they removed them so they wouldn't have to be part of the big crossover, but they still have a great story going on. Yeah, it's you know? been fun. I've been yeah. really enjoying it. I have too. I think, you know, this put them in some real danger that we hadn't seen them in. There's no Hydra threat and all that stuff, so it's been it's been fun. I've, I've kind of enjoyed it so far this season. But man... You know, along the same lines, since we're talking about comic book shows, I really got into Fox's The Gifted. Okay. I haven't watched the two-hour season finale yet. That's on my DVR. But if you like the X-Men and mutant books and stuff, definitely give the show a try. They're doing some really smart stuff on it. Um, the, uh, The quality is good. Like, the characters are cool. Like, I'm really digging it. Mm hmm and it's been renewed for a second season. This isn't the one. No, this isn't the one that's on FX. No, this that's Legion. Okay. This is on just regular Fox. Yeah. It was on Monday nights. Um, basically, it takes place in in a world the X Men don't exist anymore. Ooh. There was some. There was some big battle or something like that that took the X Men out. The um, instead of the Sentinels as we know them, they have this organization that's it's kind of like a shield organization, ex- except it's called Sentinel Services. Mm-hmm. And they go around like basically imprisoning the mutants. So there's a mutant underground mm-hmm. that is like Polaris and I think Warpath oh, and wow. other characters like that. Um, and Are... so they're kind of fighting against Sentinel Services. And I don't want to say more because sure. the way the show unravels, like there's little surprises and stuff that come along oh, cool. and it builds and builds and builds. And there's uh, some cool stuff, particularly that happens later on in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's, it's, I think it's, I'm really digging it. Really took me by surprise. Nice. I'll have to check it out. The, I, I want to ask you something. I want to springboard off of that and ask you something, but you also made me think of something else that, that I'm doing started uh at the first of the year uh I, I saw a thing that said if you watch one marvel movie a week that you will be ready to go with infinity war when it shows up i've got avengers on right now as we're podcasting. nice nice <laughs> it's on usa i'm watching it <laughs> i am it's uh, the battle in the forest oh Door, yes doors doors bringing the hammer down on the shield right now oh that's great oh i love that movie so much dude one of my favorite moments in all the marvel movies um i uh i i've watched iron man now and the incredible hulk and so iron man 2 is up next and i'll probably watch it tomorrow night after church or something 
to be called up this week. I think that's where I'm supposed to be at. But someone, and, and I want to say, I don't want to give credit, I don't want to give the wrong credit, but I do think it was Christopher Lutz who's doing the same thing, and he was watching The Incredible Hulk. And he gave me the he gave us the timestamp and everything where he says when they do a, a wide shot of New York, uh, an establishing shot of New York in the Incredible Hulk, there's a building that's being built kind of over to the left of the Empire State Building. Uh, that would be Stark Tower. Yeah, and he says it looks to be Stark Tower. And I and I haven't had a chance to put it on the big screen and get to that timestamp, but I did look at it on my phone when I saw that and and I can't can't say that he's wrong you know yeah it was christopher lutz it's at one it might just be a coincidence yeah the, it could the very feeling well be. i got was that you know hulk was one that they kind of shoehorned in as part of the the marvel universe after iron man did so well mm -hmm. you know they put that little tag at the end where tony stark shows up well i think i think that they knew it was going to be part of it but in the in the tony stark was supposed to be a post-credit sequence um, but in order to market the movie so that people would, because they knew they had a challenge after Ang Lee's Hulk. Right. So, and after the success of Iron Man, I think they just edited it to kind of stick that in the, in the film itself. Well, I like the idea that you're seeing Stark Tower built. So yeah, I'm I do too. Roll with that. It's, at, it's intentional. It's at one hour, 12 minutes and 21 seconds. And it and it does look like the shape of the building, everything. At least on my phone, it really did look like. Wow, that could very well be Stark Tower, and uh, and and that would lead me to believe they were going a little bit further ahead than what we may have thought they were. Um, so so yeah, so I'm going to be doing that leading up to Avengers: Infinity War, which I'm really looking forward to coming up this year. And I know there's a lot more we're looking forward to coming up this year, Arish. Yeah, so let's dive into let's it. Let's get into it. This Monday night marks the 25th anniversary of Raw, huh? Yeah, yeah. We're recording on Saturday, January 20th. So Monday night are the first two things that I'm looking forward to in 2018. Um, as you just said, it's the 25th anniversary of Monday Night Raw. Um, so I'm, I'm just I'm excited to see that they had a they had a 25 top moment show on this past week that was just. A blast to watch all the nostalgia mm -hmm. i mean i go go back to monday night raw used to be a big thing with all sorts of different friends i had where we'd always get together and watch it together yeah. so even though my interest in wrestling has kind of been in and out over the last few years like it's just the nostalgia moment mm -hmm. of all of it mm -hmm. and uh the number one moment was Austin coming in with the beer truck. No, no. <laughs> and, you know, just immediately, like you just did, start laughing. I just immediately started smiling. With old Vince, and, with old Vince McMahon in the ring, acting yeah, like he was swimming. Yeah, Shane O'Mac, like just Vince, like swimming, swimming across in the it. Ring. Yeah, just acting like he was swimming in. Oh, uh, <laughs> like a top ten top. moment was uh, was mankind in Vince's hospital room. The yes, Sako. Yeah, yeah. And then he leaves, and the doctor is stone cold. Yeah, just like all that crazy stuff they used to do. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it because I want to see like the like these old guys come back that sure. like I you know Stone Cold and I'm hoping The Rock shows up. It doesn't matter what your name is. Yeah. Um. So I'm looking forward to that, but even more so Monday night, and I have been waiting over 20 years for this. Mm -hmm. The Alienist premieres on I believe it's on TNT or FX, one of those cable channels. What do you mean you've been waiting over 20 years for this? 
I read the book over 20 years oh, ago. Oh, okay, okay. The show it's based on. It was a novel written by Caleb Carr. Um, it's, uh, it's, I liken it to Silence of the Lambs, except it's set in New York City in 1896. Um, it's a trio of characters. One is a journalist. Another is, back at the time, they called them alienists, hmm. um, kind of profilers almost. Uh, you know, studying the human psyche and stuff, and then his assistant. And they are tasked by Teddy Roosevelt, who was the commissioner of police at the time, to help find the serial killer who's killing people in New York City. Um, and my friends and I all read the book. We were all, like, obsessed with it. It's just this amazing time capsule of what New York City was like at the time. You see the high society fancy dinners and you see the poverty stricken like lower east side part and like the opium dens and stuff like that it's tense it's scary at times it's this really great thriller so this has been the book was a huge bestseller and has been a development for decades now you know it was going to be a it number of times it was going to be turned into a movie but they're now they've turned it into a tv series it stars luke evans daniel Bruhl, and dakota fanning and it just looks fantastic and i can't wait for this to start i will I, you've got me you've piqued my interest sir it's really if it's a tenth as good as the book is mm -hmm. it's going to be fantastic oh nice series. okay um <clears throat> have you seen Bright on Netflix? Have you have you had a chance to watch that? I did. It, I I thought it had a lot of promise. Mm -hmm. Like I'm curious to see where they're going to go with it in the second movie. I I love the the world that they created. Mm -hmm. I thought that you know it was just some of the stuff was a little hokey. Okay, I I but, haven't seen it. I've I've heard different things about it as far as like people liking it and that sort of thing. But I but I've not had a chance to sit down and watch it yet. There's some intriguing stuff. I love the notion of the the magic wand being almost like a nuclear device. Oh. That in the wrong hands can like destroy everything. Um, there's like one scene where you see like the characters in like the skyline in the background, and there's clearly a dragon flying around. Mm -hmm. That's just like oh wow, there's dragons in this world too. Um, you know, it wants to be like Training Day meets like almost World of Warcraft sort of, like in modern day Los Angeles. Um, and it succeeds in some areas; it doesn't in others. But again, I like I like the promise, and I think that there's potential going forward. I think the the things that I found wrong with it are pretty easily fixed. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see it. I mean, I like Will Smith, you know, and I like the premise of this kind of fantasy world in a modern context rather than some type of period piece, you know, with just sword and sorcery. I like sword and sorcery brought into the modern day like this. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, that was one of the things that intrigued me about, mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. Well, I asked that because I noticed you've got Altered Carbon, a Netflix series coming in February. I, I'm not familiar with this at all. All right, this is this is partly me being um, a Del Rey guy because this is based on a book by Richard Morgan that we published. Okay, and uh, I actually just got done working on the what we call the movie tie-in version of the book. So mm -hmm. it's got 
the official it's got the official like show art as the cover for the yeah. book um <clears throat> it's set in it's set in a modern in a future world not very unlike a blade runner kind of environment um where they're able to create they're able to create a body that you can transfer your consciousness into. So it allows those who can afford it the ability the ability to basically live forever. Yeah. You just keep transferring yourself from one body to another. Um, and I, now I haven't read the book, so I'm, I'm f- familiar and I may be getting some things wrong. But there, it, there's like a murder mystery involved in here, too. Just it looks amazing. The visuals look incredible. It looks really slick and cool, and it looks like something that they spent two hundred million dollars on and should be on the big screen. Hmm. It looks fantastic, yeah. and it's on Netflix. You know, so you get to watch it for your ten dollar a month subscription or right. whatever. Um, but the book was. The book was a bestseller. The book has been around for years and years and years. Um, really highly regarded. Uh, Richard Morgan is a great author, so it's starting with great material. Um, it just it looks fantastic, and it starts in a couple weeks. All right, I'll have to check it out. That sounds interesting. Um, and this is how I'm, this is how boring I am. Is I have no idea that some of, no idea that some of the stuff was coming. I did know that Roseanne was coming back, and I, that fires you up. I don't really get fired up about the old Roseanne. Uh, it's you know this is the new thing now. The bringing back the the old canceled shows. You mm-hmm. know, Will and Grace came back as and has been a big hit for NBC. They're now exploring bringing back Mad About You. Uh, there's a bunch of other things that they're looking into, but Roseanne is coming back, um, which is interesting because her husband, John Goodman's character, died. That's what I thought, season. yeah. Um, so he's back in this one, hmm. um, as well as both actresses who played Becky. Um, they're both in it. One is playing like a family friend or a cousin or something like that. So they, you know, there's some tongue-in-cheek, like it's like, okay, we know this happened, but we don't care. The entire cast is back. Um, from what I read, they're, they're actually kind of... It's going to be... You know, Roseanne was a show that pushed a lot of boundaries mm-hmm. when it was first on. It, it had a social consciousness to it. And it sounds like that that's going to continue uh, with this revival of it. It's only six or seven episodes, I think, that they did. It's not like a full season. Um but the interesting thing, whereas Will and Grace came back as a very much anti-Trump show, Roseanne, their feeling was that these were characters that would have wound – they probably would have voted for Trump. So they are characters who would wear a Make America Great Again hat, or at least some of them. Right, right. Um, so the, the expectation is is that is that it's going to – that's the – it's going to have that kind of flavor to it. Not necessarily be a hundred percent pro Trump show, but like they're trying to take a, a realistic portrayal of where these characters would be okay. today, like 15, 20 years later. I don't know when the show went mm-hmm. off the air, but so I'm just intrigued by it, you know, and I used to watch the original show. 
So, you know, I'm curious to see what they're going to do. I'm curious to see how this is all going to work. Yeah, I never watched the original show, so that's I guess that's kind of my disconnect with it more than anything. Um, I know there are a lot of people stoked about it, though. Looking forward to it coming back. Now, how about this? This is one that snuck up on me, and I didn't know about it, and I am looking forward to it. In March, Jessica Jones Season 2? Yep. Had no idea that was about to drop. Oh, yeah. And actually, I know very little. I want to know very little. I want to go into this fresh. Yeah, me too. We haven't talked about the Defenders, have we? No. (laughs) (laughs) There's a reason we hadn't talked about the Defenders, huh? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just hopeful that the ninja nonsense is over with. Uh, you yes. know, I, I like, yeah, I, I certainly like Defenders a lot more than I liked Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked Defenders a lot more if Iron Fist had not been part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that that c- character has been a complete misstep for everything that they're doing. Um, they did some interesting stuff in it, but I got to tell you, I like punisher way more than i liked defenders well and you know there was a whole i remember there was a promo for defenders and i thought it was official where they kind of did the defenders thing and then at the end they tag on almost like the punisher was supposed to show up in the defenders and, i don't remember that but yeah the, and but the, the season of the punisher i thought was fantastic i i don't think i was as high on it as everyone else was but I don't think there was a wasted episode. I, I think that the Punisher didn't suffer from what some of the other Marvel shows have suffered from. Yeah, that's definitely been in it. Well, and Defenders didn't so much because it was, it was a, short. a much shorter yeah. season. Yeah. But certainly all the other series, they, they got bogged down in the middle. Right. I think Defenders suffered from more of their ending than anything for me. It, it was such an yeah. ambiguous way to end this thing that, you know... I. I I felt like what they should have done with the Defenders is the same thing they did with the first Avengers, and that is give us a, a satisfactory resolution to everything, mm-hmm. and uh, and then let's move forward and almost a phase two of this, this television universe they've built on Netflix. And um, I just think that where they've gone with with the shows so far, the, the this big overall kind of, you know... Uh, martial arts ninja kind of thing going yeah. on in the city has been a huge misstep. I think that, and I'm hoping that this is where they're going to go with the the third season of Daredevil because mm-hmm. there it's been confirmed that Kingpin is back. Good. Um, I want to see like the really good New York City mob stories. Yes. Yes. You know, from the comics, I want to see mm-hmm. Tombstone, yes. and Flat Top, and you know, the owl and guys like that, like the foundation is there to tell a really awesome modern day. The mob is Mm -hmm. controlling New York city story. And these guys, you know, these heroes who are defending their own turf every once in a while have to cross over, you know, and help each other out, you know, like the old war of the roses storyline that crossed over from Spider-Man, Spider-Man to Daredevil Daredevil. and stuff. Like that's the kind of stuff that I want to see them telling. Absolutely. I want to get away from this mystical, not this giant hole in the ground nonsense and yep. everything, and you know, tell those stories because I think that what they're trying to do with the heroes, I think that those stories fit better with what they're trying to do. Absolutely agree. And at the same time, 
they've set themselves up to be able to easily transition into something like that because basically all of the all of the big crime lords were wiped out in in that first and second season of Daredevil. The hand has now been mostly taken care of. Yeah. And there is a power vacuum. And if Kingpin's coming back, yeah, he'll fill it. But now who can challenge? I think, he's, I think the idea is that Kingpin is running for mayor of New York City. Oh, my gosh. That's like, great. That's like the kind of cool stuff they mm-hmm. need to be doing. But as I say, you know, the power vacuum that's there in the crime place is can be filled by characters like Hammerhead and Tombstone that are a little bit larger than life. They're not just your everyday gangsters. There's almost a... You know, Tombstone's all practically indestructible. You know, he's this yeah. albino guy who's kind of... He would be great in a Luke Cage story. Like, he'd be but a great foil for Luke Cage. Exactly. They're like our heroes are. They're, our, our heroes all have the special abilities, but they're not Thor or Iron Man where they're flying around the city. They're right. more grounded. Yep. You know, and so give us the villains that are more like that, mm-hmm. too, that aren't like these, these ancient people that have been around forever and like know all this stuff it just doesn't work with somebody like jessica jones like you know as as great a character as she is i felt like she just didn't really fit in Mm -hmm. much of what they were doing in the defenders right to the point where she kept like i don't want to be part of this i want to go home right right and and i agree with you on the danny rand thing i i think that that the the big problem with the iron fist was that it was boring. He went around telling everybody he was the Iron Fist <laughs> and that he was the defender of Kundun, Kundun or whatever, yeah, yeah. and that his sole purpose in life was to defeat the Hand. So, And he's telling that to people who are part of the Hand. Yep. So if I'm somebody with the Hand, I'm getting on the phone to like Hand HQ and be like, hey, guess what? The defender of Kundun is here in New York City. Nobody's protecting the gate to the city. Let's just take it. Yes. He's just dumb. Yeah. That's the problem with Danny Rand. He's dumb as a stick. And I don't remember him, and not that I was a huge Iron Fist fan in the comics, but I don't remember him ever being that stupid in the comics. Yeah. It's you know? like, come on, dude. Yep. Um, so Jessica. But that's not, we weren't here to talk about Danny Rand. No, no, no. But Jessica Jones, the first season of Jessica Jones, I thought was, and we talked about it a little bit back after it aired, I thought it was just really. It's it's uncomfortable some of the themes and stuff they deal with, but it's also really well done. Mm-hmm. She is a she was a strong character without being an off putting strong character, you know, yeah. as a woman. And 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 every character in there, these these strong female characters were there. And and David Tennant was wonderful as the Purple Man, you know, and 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 almost unstoppable, you know, until that yeah. very last moment. It was just. I thought it was so such a well done uh, season different of television. From the other superhero much stuff different. that we've seen yeah, too. Much different. So I'll be interested to see. I'm looking forward. I didn't realize it was coming up so soon. To be honest with you, it's completely yeah. not been on my radar. Um, I know that you're looking forward to Marvel movies like I am. Yeah. Black Panther is next month. It's just a couple of weeks away. In fact, I don't want to see any more. No, I don't either. I don't either. I'm like not watching the commercials. I'm just, I don't, I'm not, they had some last week or whatever, some kind of, you know, behind the scenes clip or I just, I don't want to, I'm already sold. I can't wait to see this. Well, and it dawned on me during the last trailer that, that that they released, um, because you had, uh, Andy Serkis's claw, Dr. Claw or whatever his real Mm -hmm. name is. He's right now. And he was shooting something out 
the the window or you know the car that he was being chased in at, at the at his pursuant and um he uh Andy Serkis is known mainly uh, not that he's a bad actor but what's he known mainly for this this digital motion capture stuff yes he could be claw as claw in the comics is you know they could they could end up doing claw because what happens to him in the comics is he becomes basically this living solid sound being right. made of sound and he's able to project solid things made of sound and, and and stuff and so and he looks weird but like that's they could do that with Andy Circus you know they could but like one of the cool things about the Marvel movies is that they don't feel like they need to go where the character is in the comics that's true that's true but you I, know, they give us their own interpretation of it because some of the stuff doesn't work on screen right but they've also not been scared to go true toward the comics you know and, rocket raccoon and Groot. right and that's Two why perfect examples that's why i can totally see them using him in this movie and setting up a potential change for him yeah. down the road you know and into that and and look i claw is one of those that to me it was during my time of getting into comics and you know back when i was first getting in he was a member of a group called the frightful four that fought the fantastic four mm -hmm. and so you know he's right up there in some of my pantheon of oh well, he's a serious villain just because you know when i was early not that he necessarily is but when i was first introduced to comics and getting into comics he was there as as a primary villain against one of my favorite comic book here you know groups of superheroes right so um so i just i'm and the movie looks great and it looks different than anything else they've done you know and that's one of the things these marvel movies have done is they they all have done a good job of of getting their own identity even though you can tell they're in the same universe from the same studio it, the other like really promising thing about this is that I believe on Fandango, the mm -hmm. pre-sales for this movie are the best that they've ever had. Yeah, yeah. So, like, if you want to see this opening weekend, like, get your tickets now. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really jazzed and, about and it. And that is amazingly promising for, you know, especially with, you know, we want to see a Black Widow movie. We want to see things that are different. And here's a movie where pretty much the entire cast, except for Andy Serkis, are all African-Americans. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And 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 rightfully so. I mean, this is a this yeah. is a movie that takes place in Wakanda. Of course, Martin Freeman is in it. He's reprising his oh, role yes, from 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 Civil Freeman. War, which I think is just I loved him in that role. You know, it was something a little bit different, even 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 for him. I've I have gushed over Chadwick Boseman on this podcast time and time again, and I loved him as Black Panther in Civil War. Absolutely, mm -hmm. Michael B. Jordan. I'm sorry. He's he's just a fantastic actor. Coming on as Killmonger is going to be great. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o, we all love her, and uh, and so I just it it looks like it's going to be a really good movie and a great lead-in um, to Infinity War. Yeah, which uh, I I think of Infinity War is the number one movie on my list this year. I I agree, and and only I don't. You you mentioned you don't want to see anything else. How about I don't need anything else other than that one trailer we've got? Yeah, that one trailer was fine for me. It was absolutely perfect in so many ways. Yep. And um, and and thanks to Teresa and Shaz, I'm I got now I'm watching it right now in super slow mo. 
uh, on YouTube. I got to go back and do that. Uh, I, I love what they did with that trailer where they used Sylvester's Avengers theme. Yep. And, um, and, and you know, and, and let it build and build and build. And, and you just begin to see everybody. Um, you know, from Tony, it opens with Tony, and then you're on Bruce, and it's like, what is? how is Bruce Bruce? We thought when he turned the hook, he wouldn't be Bruce again. And, and standing over him is Doctor Strange and Wong, and you get that shot of Scarlet Witch and Vision, you know. and, and Oh, and, and the last shot in the trailer. Just <sighs> Thor with the eye patch yes. on board the, Who are the you ship guys? with the Guardians. <laughs> Who the hell are you guys? Um <laughs> Yeah. Guardian only he didn't say freaking. Right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't wait for this movie. And uh, I mean, we, we kind of hinted at this a little bit in during our last Jedi discussion in Rebel Yell, but I mean, this is a movie that I mean, we've been building to, how many Marvel movies have there been now? Gosh. Like they've all been building to this moment. Mhm. Yep. You know, this isn't like, you know, part three in a trilogy. This is like part 18. And like, you know, this is like, you know, the new Jedi Order series where there's like 25 books in it or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and I hope it's more satisfying than the end of the new Jedi Order series if I'm being I don't real. think we'll see a, pl- a moon kill anybody in this. Thank but goodness. you never know. I mean, the, the main bad guy floats on a chair in space. So Well, and that's the thing. <laughs> when, when Thanos stands up, you're screwed. I mean, yeah. that's that's really who he is, you know, and and I love his line about, you know, I, I don't really take joy in a lot, you know, in balancing the universe. But I got to tell you, this is bringing a smile to my face. And if you ever read the comics with Thanos, that's one thing is he he took a lot of pleasure in what he did for death during the Infinity War and and all that's uh, in the comics, the Infinity Crusade and the Infinity Gauntlet storyline and that sort of thing. And um his whole thing is he just wants to, he's courting, he's literally courting death, the entity of death. At least that's how it was in the comics. I don't know they'll go that far with this and, and get that esoteric with it, but he is enamored with the idea and the concept of death. And so his whole deal with the Infinity Gauntlet, at least in the comics, was always to wipe out half the universe. And Well, and the other interesting thing, when, they first, when we first heard that we were getting Infinity War, mm-hmm. it was Infinity War Part 1 and Infinity War Part 2. Right. And then while after that, we heard that, oh, well, no, they're not going to be part one and part two anymore. It's going to be Infinity War, and then it's going to be another Avengers. It's going to be Avengers 4. And we can't tell you the title because it's a spoiler. Right. So, you know, is that a little bit of gamesmanship from the Marvel team? I mean, is are we going to get a complete story in this, or is there going to be like a big cliffhanger ending where it really is going to be part one and part two? You know, this this right. could end with Thanos just wiping out like half our heroes. Mm-hmm. So that's like the thing that I'm like, I have no idea what to expect from this. Yeah. Well, it 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 looks. I'm telling you, like I said, I don't need anything more than the trailer we've been given because we see everyone in this trailer, and um, I just and I'm sorry. The moment where Black Panther is just giving orders, and he's like, "And get that man a shield." Yes, and someone get that man a shield. Gosh! And here comes and Cap out of the Steve shadows. Come out of the shadows. Yes. With the beard, and I was just like, "Yes!" <laughs> I do oh, love so it. So good. I do love it so, so much. So good. So I, yeah, I'm like you. I think this is my probably my most anticipated movie of 2018. 
that I'm really looking forward to. We're getting a crazy Josh Brolin double hit in May. Oh, that's right. Because we've got him showing up a couple weeks after Infinity War opens. We've got him showing up as freaking Cable. Yes. It's Deadpool 2. Yep. Yeah. Which just got moved up a week as to not to give it a week before mm-hmm. Solo opens. Right. Um, but I, I freaking love Deadpool. I can't wait for this movie. I'm so excited to see what they're going to do with Cable. Got Domino involved in this. Like, oh, I just, I can't wait. And I loved the, just the, the I don't know if you follow, uh, uh, who's the actor that plays Deadpool? I'm Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds on Twitter, like the, the social media campaigns that they do with Deadpool are hysterical. Um, that kind of faux trailer that came out around Thanksgiving or Christmas with the poster of them all sitting around the, uh, like the holiday table was great. Yeah. The Bob Ross trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I can't wait for this. Yeah. I, you know, I've, I, I've made it real clear. My thoughts on Deadpool is I understand why they went with the vulgarity and everything. But when you read him in the comics, he does break the fourth wall. He does all the funny stuff. You know, the vulgarity isn't there as much as it was in Deadpool and, and I still would have loved it without some of that, but I, I do, I did like the character, and I like what they did, and I love the humor, and I love the adventure of it all, and just knowing they're bringing Cable in, that's a, what a ridiculous character to bring in, you know? He looks great, too, as Cable. Yeah, the couple yeah. pictures that they released, he looks fantastic. Josh Brolin is one of those actors, it's like, I know every time he's in something, I remember just how good he is, but like, he's not like a Gary Oldman to me, where... If you said best one of the best character actors out there, I, I'm always going to go Gary Oldman is, is one of my top ones. But Josh Brolin's right up there. He's on three of the movies that I have on the list. Nice. He's fantastic. Like, he really is. He really is yep. fantastic. Um, so uh, you, got the, you got the Daredevil coming a couple of weeks after Infinity War. And then uh, a, a movie I had a short brush with back in August, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, as we stumbled onto the set over at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, really? Yeah, we were when we were doing our Stranger Things expedition. Uh, the 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 lab, Hawkins Lab, is actually on campus on one of the campuses of Emory University. And we pulled in, and they had um, a parking lot set up that we couldn't get into, and we weren't. I mean, we weren't headed into it, but we were just noticing there were all kinds of trailers and and stuff up there, and um, so it's like holy crap, are they filming something? And sure enough, they were filming something. So we were walking to this building and there's a sign that, you know, has extras pointed to go this way. I kind of nodded at the security guard as we walked by him. And so we're standing there outside the building, just kind of looking and, and where we're standing, there's another parking lot, another level down that we could see into. And there was like a car, like an SUV there. And, um, and there was like a tactical looking vehicle there. And there was a brown van and next to the brown van was a big school bus. And on the school bus, it said San Francisco United School District. And I looked over at Shaz and, and Steve Bennett, and I said, guys, this is, um, they're filming Ant-Man right now. And I pulled up a quick, I, I got on my phone and pulled up a quick image search of the van from Ant-Man. And I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, the Michael van. Michael Pena's van. Yeah, that's Michael Pena's van from Ant-Man. And so we stood there too long. 
and the and the security guard comes over and he's like, "So are you guys with the production or whatever?" And we were just too nice to be dishonest, and we said, "No, we're not." And um, I said he just kind of stood there for a minute. He's super nice, dude. And uh, he, I said, uh, I said you have to ask us to leave, don't you? He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Okay, man. We don't want to cause any problems. Uh, you know, we were here." looking, you know, at Stranger Things filming locations because they'd filmed here, and that's all we were doing. We weren't trying to sneak onto a set. We didn't even realize anything was filming. And I looked at him like, so what's filming here? And he says, I can't tell you. He says, I can tell you it's a Marvel film. I said, it's Ant-Man and Wasp, isn't it? And he just kind of looked at me. I'm like, it's fine. You don't have to say anything. Your silence confirms everything. (laughs) Nice. So it was really cool, you know? And um, so... uh, so yeah, I I really like Ant Man. Well, I just real quick, I had a similar thing happen to me. Oh, cool. Decades ago, except it wasn't a security man who asked me to leave the set. It was Woody Allen who asked me to leave his set. Oh, do you have a Woody <laughs> Allen impersonation? I don't. Oh man, I don't. But it was it was a rainy day. I was walking around Greenwich Village, and you know this is back when anytime I come across a movie set, I would just hang out mm. and. Uh, he literally turned and like I was standing right next to him. He asked me to do something, and again I was, I was too honest with him. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not part of your crew. And he was just like, oh well, then I'm gonna have to just ask you to go stand on the other side of the street. Nice. So he wasn't rude. No, no, he was very yeah. polite. That's no, there great. was it was raining, so there was nobody around. It was just right. his crew and actors out there. I That's can't cool. even remember what movie it was they were shooting. Might have been like Hannah and her sisters or something like that. But um yeah. So That's cool. I, I had a bunch of those back when I was young and running around the city. But dude, I like the Ant Man and I like Paul Rudd in Ant Man. I that movie just really kind of struck a chord with me. It was I don't think any of us really took it seriously going into it because of the issues with, wasn't it Edgar Wright? Edgar Wright. Was director yeah. and he dropped out and stuff. And we were all just kind of like, well, like really Ant-Man and the movie was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It really and was. Then, and then with civil war with him working in and being like the fanboy amongst them and stuff. <laughs> he was just so perfect. I love it when he's like, Hey, Hey, you know, Big fan. Big, I know Thank you. Thank you for thinking of That's me. That's right. Thank you for thinking of me. Um, yes. And and this one's got, you know, it's going to have, uh, uh, oh, I can't, the woman from Lost. Evangeline uh, Lilly. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's going to have her in it, with, and her suit looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, And Michelle Pfeiffer. She's free, playing, freaking, she's Jan. playing, yeah, she's playing the yeah. original Wasp, right? Yeah, That's you're bringing awesome. freaking Michelle Pfeiffer into the mar- into the MCU. With, hold on now, with Michael Douglas as Hank yep. Pym, which is just... Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, all you all you people that used to watch Basic Instinct, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, and here's how much, uh, here's how much Marvel thinks of this movie. You know, Ant-Man came out, like, middle of August. Mm-hmm. This one's opening July 4th weekend. Wow, that's true. You know, it has a July that, yeah. 6th date on here, but you know they're going to open it earlier so right. they can get all the weekend stuff in yeah. there. That's, that's, where you, that's where the Memorial Day and July 4th are where you put your two big mm-hmm. freaking summer movies. Yep. So that's what they think about Ant-Man now. That's great. That it's their July 4th movie. Yeah. 
Well, backing up a little bit from that, on uh, the 41st anniversary of the release of the original Star Wars, May 25th, 2018, Solo, A Star Wars Story. I'm crazy excited. I, I'm very interested. I, you know, I, I don't know that I'm excited, but I know that, of course, my butt will be in a seat. And, um, you know, I, I don't know... Uh, you know, I, you told me off air you don't really know anything. You told him you don't want to know anything. I didn't want to know. I want to go into this fresh. And I don't so, want to know anything. And so I think that's fantastic because I don't know anything either. Um, you know, hoping we get a trailer soon. I know that they're kind of holding off until The Last Jedi finally peters out a little bit in theaters and everything. I understand wanting to do things one at a time. You made a great point on The Last Jedi about the financial obligation that these movies have to fulfill for disney and lucasfilm um and uh and so you want to be able to focus all of your marketing <coughs> power all of your marketing power as much as you can on this and so well uh, but here's the interesting thing because this is now the first one that's opening in may mm -hmm. you know the the three since the disney purchase have all opened in december right basically then had like all of January to them. I mean, this time around they ran into Jumanji, mm -hmm. which became a huge monster hit also. But, uh, the force awakens and rogue one had no competition, but solo, I mean, look, may, may, uh, may 4th, we've got Avengers mm -hmm. may 18th. We've got Deadpool. Mm -hmm. And then may 25th, we've got solo. Mm -hmm. Is that an insane month or what? It's, it's a 1989 type life right now. <laughs> you know, and like this is, this is kind of the, this is kind of the problem that Disney has created for themselves and buying Lucasfilm and now buying Fox. And we haven't discussed, we that haven't yet talked either. about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're now running into yourself yeah. in all of these. Yep. And look, you can't move solo to December because you, you only got like a little Mary Poppins movie in December. Right. You right. know, so it's like, you know, what? this is the big conundrum now. Yep. Is do we risk cannibalizing ourselves? Um. That is, you know, and, and that's, you know, on one hand, you're like, well, it's an embarrassment of riches, but you're right. On the other hand, it's like, are we going to be robbing Peter to pay Paul? Yeah, these start... movies cost so much, not just in the actual cost to make it, but then all the marketing mm -hmm. and stuff that you need to be able to run the table for at least a month Yeah. on yeah. these. And granted, all, all, all these movies that we just talked about in May, they're all bringing in. $200 million opening weekend. Yeah. So basically your opening weekend, you're recouping your production costs on mm -hmm. it, you know, but then, you know, the Deadpool's got one weekend to make all of its money before it competes with solo. And you're also competing on the number of screens that you can put the movie on. Right. That's the ticket right there. I think, I think that's the big key. I, I you know, people talk about, well, you're just making more money. Well, you're taking, you have to take away screens from something. Yeah. Yeah, for Solo to open, Deadpool is going to have to come off of some screens. Mm -hmm. Or probably not Deadpool. <clears throat> what's going to happen is Infinity War is now going to be playing on one screen instead of three. Right. Are, now, we haven't talked about this whole Fox deal. Um, I think it's a win. I think it's a win for for all of us. Really? I do, because I, I, I think that... It, 
look as the fanboys who want you know now aside from spider-man and the spider-verse mm-hmm. you know now marvel basically has all their properties back <clears throat> so the potential there is fantastic and are we going to see X-Men and Avengers crossover? I don't think we're going to see that for a while, but it'd be great to see a really good Fantastic Four movie finally. How about how about it would not hurt my feelings one bit if the post-credit sequence of Avengers Infinity War has Silver Surfer blasting through space? Yeah. Would not hurt my feelings one bit. Yep. Um or if they sneak a Baxter building in in a reference into Infinity War somehow. Yeah. Um but yeah, I I guess I'm looking at the bigger picture more than just the fanboy stuff. Um, is is there anything that Disney doesn't own now? You know. Well, the other crazy thing is now they they own Avatar now too. Right. Do you think that well? Which also which also will solve a little conundrum that was approaching them about. Avatar and Star Wars having to face off in mm-hmm. December. That's not going to happen now. Yeah. Well, it it's it's just interesting, you know, obviously the impetus wasn't just one property here, one property there. It was the it was it was all the the things that they were getting by buying out this division of Fox. Um, it's, they need content for their own Netflix. Yeah. Right. That's what that's what this was about. Yeah. That this yeah. was about buying the Fox library. It was about acquiring these properties that they can turn into more TV shows. They need content to fill the the Disney flicks, or I don't, you know, if that's what you want to call is it, it. Is it too much or too stupid to ask that maybe now they once they once all this is finalized, um, they go in and and just kind of connect Lucasfilm with Fox somehow so we can get the Fox fanfare back in front of the Star Wars movies. <laughs> I don't know that that's going to happen. Uh, well, the other thing too is that this deal isn't necessarily done. Right. Yes. Because the That the was my next question. The government may decide to to really look into this and put the kibosh on yeah, it. Yeah, that was my next question. Is is how much, you know, how 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 finalized is this thing? Um, because it does almost feel monopoly-ish. Um, I think it's going to get done, though, mm-hmm. because I think that Disney's just got too much money. They'll find yeah. a way to make it happen. Yeah. You know, um, they'll, they'll, <clears throat> they'll make contributions to all the, any senator or whatever that they need. To, you know, I'm not saying it's like that corrupt, but this had to have been discussions that they had before the deal was even right. made. Well, speaking of contributions, right now we're at $2,010. We're 40% yes. of the way to the goal over at geekoutonline.com slash cure. And uh, I want to do a quick rundown. I, I know we don't have much time before um, before I need to let you go and bring on the next next individual in our, in our marathon. Uh, Who's next? <clears throat> Dave Jones is coming on. We're going to wrap up with a little more geeking out um, and, and, and a big honking show-esque kind of thing as well. Um, that Go, was Mike Goldberg. Thing I, I should yeah, thank you. I should let everyone know, and, and maybe even you, Aaron. Mark Out Loud is on hiatus indefinitely. Um, Why? Well, I because I don't have. Because you're not watching the wrestling. I'm anymore. not watching the wrestling these days, and 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 we're both just kind of like, I don't know. We both kind of felt came to the conclusion we just don't really feel like we got a whole lot to say about it. Okay. So, that's fair. So rather than See, push I'm getting it, back into it, I'm doing Royal Rumble next weekend. Well, with the here's here's the, the thing: 
to WrestleMania. Yeah, here's the thing. Royal Rumble always tends to suck me back in. So the Dude, so, I think Ronda Rousey's gonna show up during the women's Royal Rumble. So hiatus is definitely indefinite. When I say indefinite, it means we could be back in three weeks. Um but I just want to say thanks to Michael Nip, Shane in Grand Rapids, Angie and Tenton, um, uh, Christopher and Aaron Lutz, Jeff Fawcett, Cal in Arizona, uh, <clears throat> Roth in Wyoming, Michael Cohen, Mark All, Patty B, Brett Coley, uh, Elena, Lori Mo- Moya, Jedi Schwa, Dave Atterbury, of course, our own Darth Duff, that's a.k.a. Air Chernovice, Spider Shan, Jess Becker, Kai Charles, Moe and Swampy, uh, Jonathan Maples, Jeremy Burtz, me at donatingforcure.give.u.cheap.bastards.com. <laughs> Whoever you may be. And Wendy, and then there's several anonymous donors in here. Thank you so much uh, for throwing your your cash, your hard-earned money toward a great cause at Cure. If you want to find out more about Cure, you can go to curechildhoodcancer.org. Giving will be open until January 31st at geekoutonline.com slash cure. A uh, couple more things to run down here. Looking forward in 2018. And, and again, you and I are on the same page. Ocean's 8 with Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, Anne Hathaway, Mindy Kalick, Sarah Paulson, Helena Bonham Carter, Rihanna, and Aquafina. This woman... Doing the Ocean's 11 movies with an all-female cast. Yeah. And they're they're robbing the Met Gala, which is this big, high society, high fashion event that happens here at the Metropolitan Museum of Art every year. Oh, nice. Well, here's what I like about this movie: not just that it's an all female cast. That's fine. That's great. I and but they're great actresses in this, mm-hmm. for one thing. And two, um, and this is the geek in me. How about an Ocean's Eleven, Ocean's Eight crossover? Let's do an well, Ocean's 20. Well, Sandra Bullock's character, I believe, is George Clooney's sister. Oh, you got to be kidding me. She's the ocean in this. Right. And I know that Matt Damon makes an appearance. Oh! And I yes! think that some of the other guys, there may be a little cup of coffee cameo here Fan- or there. Fantastic. I love the Ocean's so movies, man. connections between this one to the three Good. Uh, other Ocean's movies. Wonderful. I love the Ocean's movies, dude. Soderbergh's not directing this, but he is producing it. Okay. Well, I love the Ocean's movies, dude. <laughs> That's all there is to it. Um, there, there's one here that i got to slip in because I just saw And look... These are the movies that I'm most looking forward to. So there's some stuff like we didn't talk about Ready Player One. Right. We didn't talk about Wrinkle oh, yeah. in Time. Right. You know, there's a lot of other big movies opening that just aren't as hot. I I didn't read Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. So uh, while I'll go see it because it's the beard directing it, like it's not this big priority movie for me. I Wrinkle keep forgetting time, about it. There's... Sorry, just doesn't do anything. No, Wrinkle in Time's not really firing me up. Um, I, I am. Ready Player One, I keep forgetting about. And hey, look, it, there's a really good chance I'm going to love it just because of yeah. what it is and the little bit that you've told me about it and stuff. Um, but, you know, and I also tried to, to pare this down a little bit or we'd be here till next year. Um, there is one, though, that just I saw when I was on Twitter earlier this afternoon. They put out like a little teaser trailer. Stars Danny McBride. And it's simply called Dundee. 
And he plays the son of Crocodile Dundee. Of a certain man from Australia. We were just talking about this this morning. We were just talking about this this morning because I thought I'd heard. I didn't realize it was Danny McBride. So this is just going to be a total send up. Yeah, it basically it's like this whole big like you know the the man the epic man of adventure and stuff and then like the camera's panning and it's him standing on like top of this cliff that goes in really close and he's just like you're all a bunch of losers or something <laughs> like that. So, I'm like, all right, I'll I'll test this out. I'll yeah. see, you know, I'm intrigued. Yep. Um, you know what? I still haven't watched Sicario. Oh, you gotta watch Sicario, my friend, before you see Sicario 2 Soldado. Soldado. And here's the third Josh Brolin movie. I will watch Sicario um, in my pajamas. Sicario was one of my favorite movies. Uh, came out a year, year and a half ago or mm-hmm. so, a year ago. Right. Yeah. I just, I loved it. We've talked about it several times on the show, and and I just, I haven't watched it. I know it's like on Netflix now. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 all over the place. Yeah. Um, Written by Taylor Sheridan, who is my number one guy at the mm-hmm. moment. Um, you know, we talked about him a couple months ago with the uh, with um, oh, what was the Wind River, the the little movie that just came out with Jeremy Renner and uh, and uh, Scarlet Witch in it, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. Um, and he wrote Hell or High Water. Uh, he wrote Sicario too. And this brings back uh, Benicio del Toro and Josh Brolin's characters, and basically, sort of the premise for this is that there, uh, Josh Brolin sort of runs this covert ops sort of thing, and there the U.S. government is now looking at the drug cartels as terrorist organizations, mm. um, and so they basically release uh, Benicio del Toro, who's this kind of crazy hitman character. You know, they unleash him fully on the drug cartels in this. So I think it looks cool. I love the first one, so I'm there for this one. Nice. Well, I tell you what I'm there for on July on July 13th, Incredibles 2. I'm with you, and I don't want to know anything. Me either. The, the little teaser with the baby was great. That's all I need. And, and I think this one picks up right after the first one ends. With the Underminer? Uh well you know the 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 first one ended with like the baby getting all with Zach right right baby Jack or mm-hmm. yeah Jack Jack name Jack Jack mm-hmm. getting all of his powers right but and I think this one like picks up like right from there okay but you know the very last scene was them headed to the track or the ball game or something oh that's right and and all of a sudden the underminer shows up also maybe that's where it picks that, up with a big battle that'd be awesome yeah that would be awesome. I'd be I'd be totally down with that. I'm looking forward to it. I I really am. Uh True Detective season three. I know a lot of people didn't like season two. I, I kind of missed season two. Um what's happening with three? Three, uh bringing back Carrie Fukunawa, who was uh behind season one. Mm-hmm. Um the cast in this one, I know they cast Mahershala Ali as one of the main guys and uh Sorry, I'm forgetting who the other guy was that they cast in it. Um, look, I will give it a try just because of how great the first season was. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that they would bring it back for a third season if they weren't confident in it and it being close to being as good as the first one yeah. was. 
First season was dark oh, and Steven twisted, Dwarf. man. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll give it a try. I like this kind of stuff. That first one was dark and twisted, man. That first season. Yeah, but it was great. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey was awesome. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize Mission Impossible 6 was coming, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did not realize that at all. Our boy is back, huh? Our Ethan Hunt? Our boy is back. Uh, Christopher McQuarrie is back directing it. Oh, wow. Rebecca Ferguson is back in it. She was the female agent in MI5. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's back. So, you know, already Tom, I think, broke his leg or something trying to do one of the crazy stunts last year so you know they're gonna they're pushing the envelope again with it oh wow so i love these movies look yeah. I, I i i will i will go see anything tom cruise is in pretty much well i i'm still waiting for that mission impossible james bond crossover that yeah. that your nephew made me get all excited <laughs> for uh they're doing another predator movie not only are they, are they doing another Predator movie, Shane Black, who wrote the original Predator, oh, nice. wrote this one and is directing it. Oh, good. Okay. So he's like, here's how to do it, guys. And, you know, Shane Black did wrote the original Lethal Weapon movie. Mm-hmm. He uh, wrote and directed Iron Man 3, mm-hmm. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which was freaking brilliant. Um, the, the Nice Guys with... Nice. Uh, Russell Crowe and um, uh, why can't Ryan Gosling, which was really good. Um, so I'm just I'm really curious to see what he's going to do with this. And I love the Predator. I think it's such a cool creature. Do you know where "Kiss Kiss Bang Bang" comes from? That phrase. No. I I, I was watching. There's a great documentary. I think it was on this documentary. It was on Netflix for a while called Everything or Nothing. Mm-hmm. And it was all about the making of all the James Bond movies and everything, the whole saga of how those came to be and and how they maintained throughout the years and everything. And apparently, I want to say it was Japanese. Uh, there was a there was one of the titles that translated to, for Bond, Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Ah. So. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um Legion season two is coming. We mentioned Legion earlier. I watched the pilot episode and was kind of put off by it. And I didn't stick around. I think you got to stick around. Yeah. It's, it's really dense and really heavy. It's, mm-hmm. it's not an easy show to watch, but it's just, it's so good. And it's so different. Um, I just, I think Noah Hawley, who also is, uh, the showrunner on the Fargo TV series. He's just one of the best dudes making TV these days. Um, so I, I, I will come back for pretty much anything that he does just because I know he's going to push the envelope with stuff. Um, and I, and I am not on the Westworld train at all. Haven't seen a Haven't seen a minute of that show. This is for HBO this year. This is their big show because there's no Game of Thrones mm-hmm. this year. Um, some of their other big properties. So this is the big one. And, well, it um, seemed like the first season hit as big as Game of Thrones did. Yeah, yeah. It it was definitely a show that grew on me. Like at the beginning, I was a little eh on it, and then by the end, I was definitely sucked in. Um, and the interesting thing is that with season two. 
the there's like massive potential there for like other worlds because this environment that Westworld takes place in, it's not just a Western thing. Like you can go to like feudal Japan or you can go here. It's like, it's, it's all these different fantasy scenarios that they've created. So I'm really intrigued if they're going to stick with the Western area, if it's going to cross over or not. So it's just, you know, it's a show with very high production value. They put a lot of money into this and it definitely translates on screen. So it's going to be event TV viewing when it hits. Yeah. Um, I need to address something really quickly that has come up in the chat. Okay. Um, earlier, a few minutes ago, in fact, it, it appears there was Star, Star Trek talk in the chat. Oh, look, I, it's a happy day. We're, we're taking money for Cure, but come on, guys. You're better than that. No Star Trek talk. Um, I'll ban you. <laughs> really? <laughs> It's a safe place to geek out, except Star Trek. Um, <laughs> that's been the running gag. Dude, early on, I used to say, this is your safe place to geek out, unless it's Star Trek or Twilight. And I'd have people email me like, I can't believe you're hating like this. You say you're a safe place to geek out, but you won't let people talk Star Trek? I'm like, it's a joke. Get the joke. Because I always end up will quote something from one of the Star Trek movies or something. So... Um, I think my big thing, dude, like, honestly, the biggest thing on my radar coming up is Infinity War. We talked about it. But it, it really, that is what I am most excited for in 2018 right now. Um, I just... I got one more here on my list. Okay, what you got? The Irishman. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what this yeah. is. This is, gonna, this is a Netflix project. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's based on the life of Frank Sheeran, a mob hitman who may have who may have been involved in Jimmy Hoffa's death. Oh. Um, it's directed by Marty Scorsese. Brings back all, all of his regulars, Joe Pesci, Harvey Keitel, Bob De Niro. Bob De Niro is actually playing Sheeran. Um, it's also going to star Al Pacino. Mm. First time Marty and Al have worked together. Um, Netflix is bankrolling this thing. Like, I, I, I just... Look, Casino and even more so Goodfellas mm -hmm. are just, oh, such great movies. This is anywhere close to that with this cast. Oh, I can't wait to see this. Can't wait to see this. So it's a movie or a series? It's a movie. Okay. It's basically like Bright was. It was it's a movie that Netflix produced wow. as original content for Netflix. It's kind of, I mean, this is starting to be a good move on their part. I mean, they started a, a couple of years ago, like, you know, contracting Adam Sandler, almost the old school studio style, you know, contract, contracting him for a few movies, you know, in yep. to varying degrees of success well, or lack of success. They gave him a huge deal to yeah. make those movies. Right. Now, with this, I wouldn't be surprised if they go the mudbound route with this. I don't mm -hmm. know if you've seen the trailers or commercials for that picture that's playing right now, Mudbound. No. Um, it's kind of a generational saga story with Mary J. Blige and just a great cast, but it got, it's been released in some theaters, so it's qualifying for all the awards, mm -hmm. but it's also playing on Netflix. But the crazy thing is, is that they're not necessarily like when you turn your Netflix on, you know, you get like the big new thing that they've got. It's like your teaser screen. Mm -hmm. It's not that's not happening. You've got to look for it. 
Okay. You know, so they're they're promoting it as a movie playing in the theaters, but it's also available on Netflix. And with this being a Marty Scorsese picture with this subject matter and this cast, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if this gets theatrical release at the same time right, that it's yeah. on Netflix. Okay. You know, one, to get all the awards chatter and, like, qualifying all those conversations and stuff. But I think it's also an interesting way of testing the market. You know, it's, uh, you know, this was, until Star Wars came out, this was not a great year at the theaters, Mm -hmm. box office-wise. Right. You know, and I saw earlier in the chat people talking about what they were looking forward to this year. And, um, you know, a number of people mentioned that most of what they watch, they watch at home now. I'm the same way. Um, you know, they're trying to experiment with new ways to release movies. Uh, this movie pass thing is really taking off with people. I know my family just all got it and they're all excited mm-hmm. about it. Um, you know, where you pay like $10 a month and you can basically go to the theater every day to see a movie if you want. Nice. Um, and the theaters aren't losing money. The movie pat the theaters get the full ticket price. It's Movie Pass, the company who is there footing the bill for it. Right. And they're looking to make up their revenue in other areas. Mm-hmm. You know, they get they get your information like, okay, you like to go see these movies. Well, you might like you might also like to go to this restaurant and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's how they're looking to recoup their money. But it's just interesting, you know, especially now with Netflix. Amazon's getting heavy into producing their own movies. There's a couple Joaquin Phoenix kind of smaller pictures that are opening this year that look really good, both produced by Amazon Studios. Oh, nice. Um, so it's just it's it's very interesting to see where this is all going. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean we're in a we're in a neat time of transition. You know, I, I saw some people. I'm like you. I saw some people a lot earlier talking about you know. Why go to the movies when you've got what you can, you know, when you when you've got everything you need at home? And as and as televisions have gotten bigger and clearer, and you know things like the sound bars that are available now that you know give you the feel of a good surround sound, um, you know, come into play. It's just it's easier to stay home. Now look, there's there's still movies that pretty much most of what we discussed here, right? Tonight, these are pictures that I want to see in the theater yeah. on opening weekend, right? Right. You know, I, this week I'm probably going to be re- pre-ordering my Black Panther tickets mm-hmm. and, you know, stuff like that. The big event stuff like this, I want to see on a big screen. I want the crowd experience sure. with it. I want it to feel like an event. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of stuff, you know, in particular, a lot of the, the pictures that have opened in the last few weeks, like the more Oscar caliber stuff, Shape of Water, things like that. These are movies that I really want to see, but I'm happy to wait where I can watch them at home. They're, you know, a little bit where I I don't have to deal with the guy munching on his popcorn in front of me or, you know, a cell phone going off. So it's kind of a mixed bag for me right now. Well, yeah, I, you know, my, I didn't tell you about my experience with um, The Last Jedi. Um, I went. Uh, you know, the first night and everything. And I went to a theater over in Kennesaw, Georgia, where I could get a reserved seat and all. And, uh, I was kind of toward the back, you know, as close to the middle as I could get, you know, tickets had already 
you know, blown up and it was kind of a late show and I'm sitting there and, and this kind of big woman comes walking up the stairs and, uh, come find out her seat was right next to mine. <laughs> and, um, and dude, when she sits down, she's got her popcorn and a drink like she likes it. And she's like, <sighs> Yeah, and then she starts cramming the popcorn in. So you've got the smacking popcorn, and, yep. and I mean, this is all through the previews, and I'm just sitting there with my arms folded, just trying to keep from you know rubbing fat arms with her because I'm a yeah. big dude, you know. I'm, I'm not making fun. It's just what it, it is. What it is, and um, <laughs> it was just an interesting experience the first time out. <laughs> I yeah I would not have been happy with that situation. But I mean, as it was, I'm sitting next to Ethan while we're watching it. Yeah. And Ethan's more into his bag of popcorn with his goobers in it than he is into the movie. Yeah. So like the whole and he's trying to eat it quietly, which just makes it even more loud. Yeah. And the Yoda scene's coming up, and I know the Yoda scene's mm -hmm. coming up, and I just grabbed his arm and I'm like. Stop eating the popcorn and pay attention to the scene. <laughs> you know what you should have... So, know... so then he stops and he's watching it. He's watching it, but then the hand slowly starts moving back into the bag. And there and you go. Like, I give up. Yeah, well, you so, know what you should have said to him? What? Pass the corn. Pass the corn. Irish <laughs> <laughs> man, thank you for taking part in all this. It's um, been too long, my brother. It, it sure has. We'll be back sooner than later. I guarantee you that. I want to thank everyone who's donated at geekoutonline.com slash cure. As we're recording this and we're live at mixer.com slash goalaverse, we are at 2010, $2,010 raised, 40% of the way to our goal. Um, we did this all with our backs against the wall, so this is great. If we can make that halfway mark tonight, I'll be super happy. Uh, and I just appreciate everyone who's been hanging out and listening to us. We've got a little bit more to go, so if you're listening live, stick around. If you are joining us on the podcast feed, you're able to donate through January 31st, and uh, we would encourage you to and, and appreciate you doing so. And uh, take advantage of corporate matching if you work for a company that offers it. Indeed. Double your donation. Indeed. Uh, so thanks, everyone, so much for joining us. Eris, thank you again, my friend. Uh, Always a pleasure. And, of course, we'll have you back on sooner than later. As for me, I'm Steve Glosson, and we will see you next time on Geek Out Loud. Y'all get to hear that awesome Geek Out Loud, new Geek Out Loud intro again. Nice. Dark days for the Goliverse. A technological terror. Star Wars reference. Erased a decade's worth of geekdom. Meanwhile, fans lash out at one another as they find themselves divided by differing opinions. You wrote a thesis with very little actual substance. Your claims that story wasn't built by films themselves is insane. Your claim that these characters lack motivation is bunk. Just because a film presents ideals, what is this generic bandwagon stuff? Then, in the darkness, a voice breaks through the cacophony of trolls, whiners, and Twilight fans. We can geek out together. 
One upload at a time, the light breaks through. And like a comic book character who dies and returns two issues later, the safe place to geek out returns. This is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. everyone and welcome this is the big marathon finale show it's happening a little bit earlier this year than normal but let's be honest i'm getting old my birthday's coming up and uh, i'm just i don't know like i'm i'm about shot on this one today but we want to thank everyone who has donated so far we're at two thousand ten dollars of our five thousand dollar goal and considering just how little time we had to promote and really get the word out based on the crippling events of December into January with the websites and everything, uh, you've been amazing today. And you are continuing to show that you are the greatest podcast listening audience in the universe. For those of you who are catching up on all these different episodes uh, by way of the podcast feed, you can, until January 31st, head over to geekoutonline.com cure and donate to Cure which you can find out more about at curechildhoodcancer.org. And we uh, thank everyone in advance for going ahead and planning on doing that. Uh, I know many of you may be thinking you missed out on it. We haven't had as many people in the chat today as we have traditionally for the marathons. And again, that's just on all the problems we've had. And, uh, and those of you who did show up, thank you so much for being here. It, it's just been so much fun today. Want to give a special thank you to Shaz Bazaar for driving all the way up from Dothan, Alabama, to be in studio for a big chunk of the day. Thanks to Kristen who um, took time out of a very busy week to make sure we had the Rock Out Loud Hall of Fame locked and ready to go. And uh, I hope you all enjoyed that. Our first inductees to the Rock Out Loud Hall of Fame were announced today. Uh, they were uh, in this order. Bon Jovi, Def Leppard, Queen, David Bowie, and of course Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. So, uh, it, fun show, fun times, and just so much fun to be with you today. Thank you to Teresa. Uh, we had a blast talking Mary Poppins. Vanessa Marshall did a run in, as we say in the wrestling business, and uh, and made a quick phone call in. We thank her for taking the time to do so as well as Steve Bloom for tweeting out the links and letting people know where they can donate. Um, what a blessing you have all been, and we appreciate it. Air Chernovice sat in for several hours as we passed the corn and talked some Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars at all. Uh, Star Wars uh, at all. Star Wars at all uh, on, on Rebel Yell, and it's just been such a fun day and a good day. And for the finale show, I wanted to bring in this man because years ago when we started the Geek Out Loud. <clears throat> Many people who found Geek Out Loud found Geek Out Loud because of my association with Starkville House of L, a Smallville podcast that was running at the time, the really the Smallville podcast on the internet at the time. 
and uh, and and we had such a great ardent listener base to those shows, to the Starkville House of L and later Skynex podcast. And so many people found Geek Out Loud because of that. And I'm grateful for each and every one of you who found Geek Out Loud that way. But this man I got to meet at Dragon Con way back, I believe in 2008. And uh, as we were standing outside on the streets of Atlanta listening to a very weird man say very dirty things, um, <laughs> he told me, I did not find you because of Starkville House of L. I was listening to you before you were ever on shoot. And uh, that's a big deal because he stuck through some crappy podcasts, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> and has become a, a dear friend. And uh, and I mean that I say that with no hesitation at all. This to know this man is to know what friendship really is. And and uh, and I give him a hard time quite often, but uh, the, the smallest bit of discomfort or. Uh, disgruntlement on my part sends this man into action with phone calls and texts, so much so that I have to say I'm doing okay or he won't leave me alone. That's how much he cares. Um, we've had some fun uh, doing Mark Out Loud together, and we'll, we'll address that momentarily. Um, but I am so pleased to bring on for the finale Geek Out Loud Big Honkin' Show mashup. Uh, he is the great. There's no other way to say it. No one can lace his boots in the ring. He's number seven on his jersey, number one in your hearts, ladies and gentlemen, the great Dave Jones. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Man, Dave, what did, an intro. Did you ever play sports back in the day, like in, in yeah, school? Yeah, I was uh, basketball and baseball. What was your number? Uh, 30. I'm going to remember that. Number 30 on his jersey, number one in your hearts, ladies That's and gentlemen, it. Dave Jones. Yep, um, yep, yep. yep. Dave, the truth of the matter is, is the foundation of our friendship is geek stuff. And a lot of yes. people don't realize that because we've spent several years doing the wrestling podcast together. And, um, but you and I off air have had so many great conversations about things like Star Wars, comic books, uh, television shows that we're into. Uh, one, especially we'll be talking about momentarily. Um, but and and the times you've been on the Geek Out Loud. I, when was your last Geek Out Loud appearance? You you keep telling me. Well, no, remember that we broke it with the with the Stranger Things rewatch. That's right. On That's episode right. One of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but before that, how? When was it? Uh, it was over two hundred episodes. Yeah. So, okay. No, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It was it was one hundred and. I had it written down. At yeah. <laughs> what episode was the last episode at that point? Do you remember? Um. Was it ninety nine? Was, was the it ninety nine? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so 130 some odd episodes later you were on for the stranger things rewatch right we'll get because, this get this well, dave you know, it's only going to be about 10 episodes later before you're back on i know well and here's this like it really came out of um <clears throat> those early days of goal of you uh you know trying to get on um the force cast the force cast yeah. yes and and i think you and i talked about it and how it was you know, kind of inspired somewhat by David Letterman trying to get Oprah on his show. Yes, and yes. All of that. And, and so, like, I thought, I'm going to try this out and see, you know. The whole plan was every time we ended a mark out loud, I would say. And then I think what Jimmy was doing it, too, when they were doing the Clone Wars um, uh, rewatches on, or not rewatches, but the Clone Wars coverage on. Um, on the Force Rebel Cast and Rebel Force Radio? Yeah. yeah. 
and he would say, um, Newt Gunray, not in this episode. So right. all of it was inspired by all of this. So the idea was I was just going to keep pumping these numbers out until you finally were just like, let me get this guy on. Let me get him on, so shut up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, um, the, and, and the truth is, is after all this went down with the Goliverse, and and I know we're, we're not really, you know, this is not about the Goliverse. This, this marathon has been all about cure at curechildhoodcancer.org, but it's also an opportunity to explain some things. When all of the technical issues went down with the Goliverse, there, I, I was faced with a choice. It was like, okay, either I'm free now from podcasting, or I can try to, you know, I can do the work to get everything rebuilt and, and fixed back up. And 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 at the prodding of a few people, few listeners, and 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 some, you know, some of the co-hosts, it was like, well, I'm I'm just going to keep going, and and not begrudgingly so, you know, gladly so. But I also know that I have more of a life than I did. Um, wow, back when we started Mark Out Loud and when we really started to build the network. Mm-hmm. You know, I now have more of a life than I did then. I have a job that consumes a lot more of my time than it ever did. I mean, back in the day when I was doing Geek Out Loud and Starkville and Skynext, um, you know, I had a full-time job, but I was also a lot younger, and we would go, you know, we would do late-night recordings that would start at 11.30 and end around 2 a.m., me and Derek. Yeah. And and I can't do that. I just can't do that anymore. Um, and so now with this full time job, and you know, many people know, you know, I got a girlfriend. I got a girlfriend. Um, nice. And uh, <laughs> and and so it's just like I've got a life that I enjoy. I've got a life that I'm super happy with. And mm-hmm. so I'm not running to the microphone to escape like I used to. Not that. And, and again. Right. Not that I've never enjoyed this. I've always enjoyed doing this. Um, but, but I saw it as an opportunity to even maybe scale back. And, and so I sent, a, I sent an email to all the hosts, uh, all the co-hosts, and said, look, here's your chance to bow out if you want to bow out. Um, or, you know, let me know if you want to keep going and how we want to go about doing it. And, uh, and, and Dave, you got in touch with me because as it pertains to professional wrestling, not that you, we don't love it still and have have mm. a place in our heart for it, you know. It's just um, you've got a child, um, you know. You you've got a full time job and in a marriage, and 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 it's hard to devote constant time and attention to the amount of content that say the WWE is putting out. And yes, yeah, go ahead. And Sorry. and and it's hard, and it's been hard for me to kind of stay passionate about the level of content that they're pumping out. And I, I feel like I'm right there with you. Um, I found myself watching it and just more out of uh, habit than really as far as enjoying it, you know. And, and the minute my wife, uh, she says a lot of, uh, you know, very inspirational things to me at times. And one of the things she said to me was, if you're not having fun doing it, don't do it, you know, for as far as your hobbies and stuff right. like that go. Right. And you know, we would have fun. We talked about the old stuff and all that, but I just felt like it was more, um, at this point, it's become more of a work versus, and not, um, not work in the wrestling term work. No, no. uh, it's become more work basically than it Mm -hmm. has been hobby. And it's become this thing where if I want to watch wrestling and I turn it on, I want to just turn it on. 
Now, that's not to say that, uh, you know, we do have WrestleMania coming up and, and uh, you know, usually around WrestleMania season, I'm usually very into it. But um, Well, Dave, we got Royal Rumble coming up in, yes, in just do. a couple of weeks. And, you know, that always tends to fire me up at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and that's what I said earlier. I'm like, we're kind of on hiatus and it's an indefinite hiatus, but it could end up just being a week or two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the idea was like, okay, you know, it's not, it doesn't have to be gone forever. Right. Right. But, it, you know, it's there and those episodes are there to enjoy. And, you know, we had a great run and um, I, I've loved every, every minute of it, really. Um, it's just become this thing where you're right, life gets in the way, but then, you know, the passion for these things kind of It wanes wavers. a little bit. Yeah. 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 And, and, um, you know, it's uh, it comes kind of a love hate thing, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've wrestling has been like a sibling or something to me because I've been watching as long as I can remember, and you know, it's like watching. Um, you know, you're a big Bulldogs fan, right? Right. And, right. and they took it almost all the way this year. You know, um, and I feel like WWE has taken it almost all the way for about the past six years, mm. and. And they don't quite get there, or when yeah. they get there, something happens, and it it, it all kind of just decimates. And well, see to me, to me, that's I... more that's more on me. You right. know what I'm saying? Because you guys were talking about fan um, feedback and whatnot. I know with the Last Jedi, mm-hmm. I know that's been a, a a thing you guys have talked about, and and you know it's been all over social media and stuff like that. We have to come to a place where we love something so much that we remember why we love it, you know, and I'm not saying you can't have an opinion. Right. But I think you don't want that to get in the way of your fandom, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Does that make sense? It's no, I, I, you're exactly, you're exactly right. And And it's the thing that we, Shaz and I were joking earlier, um, off mic about, um, watching things. I, I watched the greatest show. We went and saw the greatest showman the other night. Um, good movie, great musical, and and as the, it opens with this show, with this song uh, called "This Is the Greatest Show," and as I'm watching it, like it went through my head, I'm like, "Oh, this would be great to use for the big honking show." Mm-hmm. And Shaz is like, "Isn't it? Wouldn't it be nice just to go sit somewhere and not be thinking about this kind of stuff?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, I I did that for a while, but at the right. same time, you know, I find myself." compelled to get in front of a microphone and share my thoughts and have fun, you know, and have fun because I do love this medium. I've I've always loved the medium of talk radio, especially, and I'm Mm -hmm. one of those weirdos that I've always liked good morning radio. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't like the, the, Hey, it's the zoo crew in the morning and we're blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I like someone who's going to sit and communicate and have fun, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and be honest about, Hey, I hate waking up too, but here we are together. Let's do this thing, you know? And, um, and and that's what the big honking show was, and that's what all my shows have tried to be. Where it's just like I'm not taking anything too seriously, because I recognize at the end of the day, this stuff though I enjoy it, it doesn't matter. And people can try to put a lot of weight behind it and a lot of emphasis on it, and it can be inspirational and it can be meaningful. But at the end of the day, this stuff is—I mean, you're talking about stuff. You're talking about made-up stories, um, you know, and fictional characters, and it just doesn't really matter and so mm-hmm. i try to keep it in its proper place and the same is said for for the wrestling so we say all that to say we're on hiatus 
indefinitely, mm-hmm. you know. And um, but I also, in talking to Dave, said, "Well, I don't want to not do something with you, you know, because I enjoy podcasting with Dave. We have it. I'm like you. I think what is fun about Mole has just been hanging out, you know, and, and doing our thing. And and one of my favorite people in the world to make laugh is Dave Jones. <laughs> I mean, it's true, you yeah. know." Well, I appreciate that. And, and so everybody needs a good laugh. Well, so. right. And and I and you're one of my favorite people in the world to make laugh. And so I find myself with Mark out loud, like, what can I do to make Dave laugh this episode? You know, and 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 it's always been the same thing whenever you've been on goal. It's like, what can I say to really make Dave laugh? But at the same time, when we're talking about some of this geek stuff and all that we really enjoy, you know, you also will bring a lot of good insight to the table and a lot of knowledge to the table. You know, you're a sci-fi fan across the board. Mm-hmm. Like, you watch stuff I wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Much to my detriment sometimes, yes. Dave's like... I, I'm, I'm the guy that's um, favorite shows usually get canceled around this time of year. Dave's so. like, Dave's the one that's always telling me, you should really check out Babylon 5, man. It's not that bad. And... <laughs> I know, and then you just have this, like, I can tell that you just, like, man, get away from me with stuff. I'm afraid it's going to infect me or something. Yeah, you're just like, I don't know, man. That's really... That's a little much. That's a little I mean, much. I remember being so excited. I was down visiting you in Hazelhurst, and uh, I was like, Steve, you're going to love this next next generation episode i mean i know you don't really like star trek but you're gonna love it and i like made you sit there and watch tapestry which is one of my favorite next gen episodes yeah. it has q in it and right basically picard has this near-death experience and it's more like um uh what's the christmas movie um, a wonderful it's a wonderful yeah, life it's, yeah it's kind of a it's wonderful life type thing and and uh you know me and and ben jammin are sitting there laughing <laughs> And then you just got this look on your face. And I'm just like, oh, man, I really struck out with this one. Well, but, you know. You're talking about, you're talking about that show where they had a main character kid off by a trash bag. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's the one. That's the one. You're talking, the, about, uh, you're talking about that. In, monster, yes. You're talking about that incredible television show where they did a whole episode of kids climbing up a... A, a Jeffrey's tube with a broke arm, Captain Picard. Oh yeah, you talking about yeah. that? You talking about Let's... that show where Captain Picard sits around and plays a flute, and he's like, "I love it, number one. <laughs> I love the flute." <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. Actually, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, I don't know if I told you this, but for my birthday, Joy got me the complete Star Trek Next Generation oh, on wow. Blu-ray. Oh, like, nice. Yeah. So I've been going through and watched. I just watched the end of the season three with the when the Borg first show up. Now I'll tell you this: the one good thing that came out of Star Trek: Next Generation was the Borg. Yeah, but like Borg. every but like every good angle, man, they killed it. Yeah, they. I mean, it suddenly became Borg everything. Well, you know that was like Voyager. I think Next Gen was sparing with Borg, right. with the Borg, and yeah. then Voyager, like, oh, uh, we can just use the Borg all the time. Yeah. You know? This will just be our gimmick, yeah. Yeah. So by the end, you were just like, "Oh God, the Bo-. like my wife Joy, she hates the Borg. Like mm-hmm. she's just like she's, she's like, is this a Borg episode? I can like hear it right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, oh. Gosh. Well, I'll tell you so, this: as far as villains go in Star Trek, Borg greater than trash bag monster. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Or yeah. what is the what is the enemy mine episode? Um. Oh, um, uh, that's where they're stuck on the planet. Um. Oh my gosh, I can't remember his name. And, but, and Picard, uh, say, Picard's with Dar- the dude. Darmok and uh, yeah, Darmok. I think it's the name of the episode. Darmok. Yeah. And they have to communicate in this weird language. And what's yeah. the saying the guy keeps saying? Darmok, the walls fell, or yeah. something like that. The yeah, walls fell. Darmok <laughs> and Chuck are at Takraka, or yeah, something I'm sure like. Christopher Lutz in the chat will know. Yeah, um, he, he's doing a lot of. Uh, <clears throat> rewatch of the old of TNG. It was too. like Tango and Cash at the Manhattan State <laughs> Building, you know, Empire State Building. <laughs> Dave and Steve in Atlanta and the walls Dave Dave and Steve in Atlanta and the nasty man spoke. <laughs> With sunglasses on it sun- at night. <laughs> the man wore sunglasses at ten. Oh man. You know who he looks like? He looks like that guy that just completely destroys Batman in Batman 89 mm-hmm. when they're up in the bell tower. Yes, yes. The guy jumps down. He's got yeah. the shades on, and they don't fall off during Mm-mm. the fight. No, no. He just tears Batman in half. Like, yeah. I've never seen Batman. Is that the, and that's the dude he pushes, and Batman grabs him by his, with the legs and rams him his head into kinda, the bell? Yeah, kind of does a little Frankensteiner. Yeah, the, the, the Frankensteiner. Yeah, yeah I, I think it was more of a head-scissors takedown, wasn't it? Yeah, Right, yeah. Uh, Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Thank you, Atterbury. Yeah. Atterbury. Oh, <laughs> but yes, so... And Fatty, oh, McGee, Fatty McGee in Indy, also known as Daniel in Indy, says, I've rewatched Deep Space Nine twice this past year. That explains why you're so miserable, Daniel. <laughs> oh, now did you ever watch any episodes of Deep Space Nine? Or? One or two. Not not my, not my oh, cup of tea. Different, you know. Yeah, not my uh, cup of tea. I will. Um, of course, you know I know the movies and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. so uh, that that's about how I consume my Star Trek mostly. Um. And uh, what? Uh, let me let me try to think of where my my mindset is real quickly on on that. There was, because I, it made me think of something. Oh. Uh, like Generations, Star Trek Generations is not good, and I recognize that. But, but it's the crossover stuff, right? You know, my favorite episodes of Next Generation are when you had like Scotty, the episode where they had Scotty on there. Um, you know, when uh, Spock showed up, and, and you know, and, and all that stuff. And so, I actually did read four novels, four Star Trek novels in college, and they were a crossover series. Now, was these were these the ones that uh, Shatner supposedly wrote? No, or? no, no, no. Okay. These were th- the first one takes place during the original series era, mm-hmm. and there are these creatures that show up that are that evoke like the monsters of old, you know, like Medusa and um, different you know creatures from mythology mm-hmm. that the that they almost can't defeat, but they figure out some way to to defeat it. And then the next one is next generation. And it kind of ties into that incident. And then, um, of course, deep space nine ties into what's going on in next generation. And then what you find out is Voyager, they're across the galaxy where these things actually come from. And they have to, you know, almost like they did with the uh-huh. Borg in yeah. the series finale. So, so it was like a trilogy kind of thing, or was it just, it was just a, happened. To it be was connected. A, it was a quadrilogy. I mean, they were meant to be connected and I forget what awesome. it was called. Yeah. It was. Yeah. So, but see, that captured my imagination. And then I did read another Star Trek novel 
And it was one that took place after after Generations. Mm-hmm. And it's where... Was it after Generations? Anyhow... Uh, Kirk died. Yeah, it was I think it was, and I think it's the one where Spock realizes that um, that 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 V'ger was the mm. was the first Borg. Ah, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. And so they yeah, tried. I, to, think, I think that was a Shatner novel. That one. Yeah, and they tried to. So they and basically was trying to make the motion picture mean something. <laughs> right. Well, I see what you're saying, but yeah. I actually like the motion picture. And, and, and see, this is where I stand apart from most Trekkies, <laughs> okay? Because I remember being sick in college, like really sick with the flu. Like you can't leave your room sick. Mm-hmm. And I had gone to one of these local uh, video stores, mom and pop places that were shutting down, you know, and they were selling all their VHS for like a dollar. And on a whim because I'd seen a handful, you know, Star Trek was on as a kid. It wasn't like I was glued to the television. I didn't really get into it until college. And um, so I bought the motion picture because why not? It's a dollar. And I was just like, okay, it's got kind of a cool cover. And I remember watching this, and I don't know if it was because of the fever or, you know, what was going on, but I thought this was probably the greatest movie I'd ever watched. I, like, I remember calling my dad and telling him I've just watched second to 2001 the space odyssey (laughs) this was the greatest movie i've ever seen and my dad lets me ramble and ramble and then he's just like well that's great man that's great and i could tell much like when i tell you about something like bible on five that he is just like what is wrong with like not watching this dave i'm giving you that blank stare right now (laughs) i know you are and i'm trying to tell you i think it was the fever that must have been well, I think Star Trek was filmed by someone with a fever. <laughs> the emotion picture I'm talking about. And yeah, and now, see, I'm one of those weird people that I don't like The Wrath of Khan. Now, you don't like it or you just don't think it's as good? As... I don't think it's as good as everyone makes it out to be. But you can watch it and you're not... Oh, sure. Yeah, far. yeah. I prefer but... Star Trek Three: The Search for Spot. Um, that, my wife does, too. Yeah. She likes that one better. She likes the, the Klingon stuff, Christopher Lloyd. Well, there's and... just more happening. Yeah, you yeah, know, a lot more happening. And uh, and and I'm sorry. To, as far as Star Trek movies go, it doesn't get better than uh, old Star Trek for the Voyage Home. Yeah, most people say that. Most yeah. people say I, I'm a Star Trek Six fan. I like the oh, you know, start the undiscovered country is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're trying to stop the war. They're trying to finally end everything with the Klingons. And you know, there's this uh, group, the sect of people who are like trying to. I mean, it's very much Cold War. Yes, stuff. yeah, uh-huh. it's all—it's a mystery. It's espionage, you know. So. And then, and then, Fo- and then, Spock mind melds with the with the female Vulcan there, and realizes there's a bird of prey right outside there, you know, that's been following him around, and good stuff. Yeah, I just—I actually, speaking of novels, I just wrapped up a Star Trek Discovery novel. This was the first one they put out. Was... I'm sorry, you've been sick again. No man, no. have you not? Have you seen Star Trek Discovery? Have at all? not. Have not given I, it. A, have not given it a second of my time, Dave. Yeah, I didn't think so, but I just <laughs> since we were talking novels, I thought Dave's like, <laughs> Dave's like, I, I, I don't know why I ask dumb questions sometimes. Yeah, just, you know, it just happens. It just came out. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> so, well, I, I, you know, I, and I can't remember. I feel like we've done this before. And I don't know if it just didn't get released or if this is just something we've talked about a lot off air. Um, 
but I wanted to, especially with the new season, you know, that's on right now. I, I wanted to bring you on because of your love of all things sci-fi, and because this is a show that I got into about midway through its original run. I wanted to talk a little X-Files with you. Sorry, that's a scary intro. Oh, dude, it's incredible. Yeah, I mean, and it's so recognizable. Mm-hmm. Like <clears throat> the other day, I'm I'm walking through work, and I have to get up a lot and scan stuff that comes in, and and I'm walking around, and I've noticed that not it's not a great atmosphere that I work in. Like a lot of people are just <laughs> like you just hear a lot of sighing going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just decide when I get up, I'm going to just be happy and just do my thing. So I'm whistling, and I'm whistling the X-Files theme. Oh, no. And I had at least two people stop me and say, hey, is that X-Files? I've watched some of those, and, and like, they had no idea it was back on. <laughs> Dave, I want you – I want to just – I want look, I've got to stop you right now. <clears throat> You're that annoying jerk in a quiet office that starts whistling. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, now, I don't say anything most of the time. Right. But if I feel like I want to whistle the X-Files theme, it will happen. I'm going so. to make some copies. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I might just send a fax. Yes. Yeah, I love I love that theme and the and the opening and and just everything is just it uh it it was really part of the magic for me yeah. that started it. And right. Um, I don't know if you want to go this far into it, but I mean, the first episode I watched was called Conduit, and it was in the first season. Mm-hmm. And my dad had been watching it a while, and it, you know, it came on Friday nights. Yeah, and I'm a teenager, and I remember. I'm like, man, I'm going to somebody's house. I'm not watching TV, you know, yeah. or whatever. And he's like, I'm telling you, you'd like this. And he said it was sort of like Twilight Zone and Outer Limits, but he said not really. And so, like, I had no idea. I thought it was kind of an anthology show. I didn't even know Mulder and them were on every episode or anything. Right. But uh, I remember watching it, and I was just glued. I just couldn't believe that a show like this existed. Which, now, yeah. which one is Conduit? Uh, it, there's the little brother. Mm-hmm. Um, he is getting these signals. And so, like, he's drawing. Well, first of all, his sister goes missing. His family goes camping, and then his sister goes missing. Mm. And they're out, like, in the woods, and, and there's all these lights and stuff. And, and this is back in the days when they wouldn't exactly show you what happened. Right. Um, they would they would hint around at it and all that kind of stuff. And um, But this is first season. <clears throat> and uh, so he starts getting these messages. I don't know if they're coming through his head or whatever, but he's drawing ones and zeros. Mm-hmm. And just page after page of this stuff. Now, later they show you that he laid all the pages out, and it was like a big picture of his sister that he had drawn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I <clears throat> yeah do remember and like that. the NSA shows up, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's there's all that <clears throat> going on. And it was just so exciting to me, you know, that Mulder and them, uh, the FBI, you know, who in the past had been betrayed as kind of bad guys in certain media and stuff like that, trying to cover stuff up. Mm. They were the good guys, actually, in this. Right. You know, Mulder's trying to 
stop whatever's going on. The NSA is trying to cover everything up. You know? Yeah. Well, there's also the interesting aspect between <clears throat> between everything between Mulder and Scully, in that Mulder is this just cockeyed believer. And yeah, I mean he's he's very much this um, believer, and she's the skeptic. And actually, Chris Carter flipped that on its head. The old trope would be that the woman believed, right. um, and and the man was kind of like, ah, you know, right, you're going. so stupid. What does a woman know about this kind of stuff? <laughs> yeah, you're, aliens. You're Good just, Lord, woman. You're Come just a, me a sandwich. You're just you know, a moron. <laughs> right. You're just an idiot. And so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Scully, the background is she was a doctor. Mm-hmm. She had her doctor and the FBI recruited her and she wanted to kind of do that. And so she was a scientist. And so, but at the same time, she's the skeptic. Yeah, but she's also a devout Catholic, mm-hmm. so there was that kind of duality thing going on, right? And so, whereas Mulder believed in all the supernatural stuff, but maybe wasn't the most um, spiritual person, so there were several of those kind of episodes too that dealt with all mm-hmm. that. But I always thought it was just the perfect blend of like these people need each other to do this kind of work, right? And yeah. and the truth is, is they never really played the the romance between those two until later on in the show right there you know you might there might be a glance here or there right or, you know something um but you're right that that really i want to say really it wasn't until way after well probably around when the first movie came out yeah right when they started kind of playing i was gonna, I was gonna say right around season six as i recall yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and the thing is about X-Files is there is this great mythology that is the alien cover-up and the conspiracy and all that, but it's interspersed with those episodes are interspersed with episodes like Squeeze. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's one I think of because it was kind of freaky. I, I just oh remember. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. You know, you had, uh, you had episodes where... They would do everything from chase down a werewolf to, um, you know, they they had gimmick episodes later on in the show where they did like a cops X Files crossover yep, yep, almost. Cops, yeah, yeah, X-Cops. and um, you know, and and it was, and so it was just really kind of a, it was a neat show where they just attacked all this different paranormal stuff. You know, they handled uh, life after death and ghosts and that sort of thing. You know, I. I remember being freaked out when Scully's dad died in the first season, and he's just sitting okay. there kind of mouthing, you know, something, and um, yes. just that kind of stuff was really just kind of kind of freaky. But you know, so it could scare you, but they also did humor well, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, and that that was the thing. I mean, they could do any kind of genre of show, really. I mean, there was episodes where it was just about serial killers, mm-hmm. you know, and that was the whole thing with Mulder is how he got to the X-Files is uh, he worked in their um, behavioral science unit uh, in the F. This is the fictional history. Right. And was so successful. Well, I'm sorry, Dave. Open- what What is the real history of the X-Files and Mulder getting uh, there? I what? Mean, the X-Files exists, but I don't know that it's called the X-Files. It's, it's mainly for uh, cold cases. <laughs> yeah, but I, lo- I love that you were like, that's how Mulder got there. Now, this is the fictional history of Mulder coming to the X-Files. <laughs> well, I don't know. About, I just... I toured the FBI building when I was mm-hmm. uh, in high school, which was almost kind of like being on set. I mean, that's the way I felt like I was on oh, set. Oh, wow. And, you know, we would talk to the – there were some agents walking around, and we talked to them and stuff. And they were really not anything like Mulder at all. But Of course not. Um, you know, they did 
you know, the guy asked me if I watched X-Files, and I said, yeah, it's my favorite show. And uh, he told me that, you know, X-Files exist, but it's more of a kind of a place for, you know, unexplained um, crime or, like, uh, cold cases or, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know I don't know if it exists now at all, but right. this was 1998 probably. So, um, but, yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's one of my favorite shows. The there's there's a there's an episode called The Host, mm. uh, which was about a fluke worm man. Yeah, so weird. I mean, just totally disgusting. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the idea of you going to the restroom and then this guy's like coming up your toilet. I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> right? No, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they they did some really scary horror type stuff. Um, they had an episode that was banned from television called Home. That was the one about like the inbreeding or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, with um, Mrs. Peacock, the Peacock family, mm-hmm. and uh, it was very violent. And I, what I remember about it now is thinking the sheriff's name was Andy Taylor, and really, <laughs> his, deputy, his deputy was named Barney. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> not true. Yeah, I swear. And Mulder goes, Fife? And the guy's like, yeah, right. Like, <laughs> like, like, the deputy's kind of a jerk, you know. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's very much, um, it's very much, I mean, the humor, even in the scary ones, was there sometimes. Right. You know, they, oh, they, sure. I think what they tried to do is, you know, add a little levity. You know, Mulder was very much one of these guys that walked around cracking wise all the time. And, you know, was very sarcastic and had this dry sense of humor. You yes, know? yeah. Well, that's the thing. And I don't know how much of that was David Duchovny and how much of that was written by, you know, Chris Carter and company. Um, but, I mean, Duchovny, when you see him in real life and interviews and stuff, he's very much like that. He is, he's just yeah. a, He is an intelligent dude, and he's got a good sense of humor and in, in everything. And um, I, I, you know, he's he's fun to watch and stuff. And he was great in Evolution. Um, did you ever see that movie? Yeah, Ivan, Ivan uh, Reitman, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a great movie, actually. So, um, it, it, you know, you, you've mentioned a couple of episodes. I, I got into this, it was around 1999, 2000. Um, I was in Minnesota. I was working as an intern at a, at a church there. And we had a big, uh, big event coming up. It was fall... Uh, their big fall retreat, and the theme was kind of an X-Files theme. Nice. And, uh, and so, you know, the kids were broken up in their different groups. You had, like, the FBI, the NSA, um, and I forget a couple other ones, but all the leaders, I think, were FEMA. And, and I said, why are the leaders FEMA? And, he, and, and, the, and the guy told me, he's like, have you not watched the X-Files? I'm like, not really. And he's like, oh, they, they, they show in that show how FEMA is the most powerful organization in the government. Yeah. Yeah, the movie they mentioned. Yes. Yeah, I remember um, Martin Landau being yep. in the alleyway talking to Mulder, and he's like, "Do you realize how much power that the federal emergency, federal emergency management agency?" And you know, as a kid, I'd never even heard of FEMA. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> right. And then I'm like, "Dad, does FEMA exist?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I'm just like, "Oh my gosh." Yeah. Um. And so, so we went and sat down in a room, myself and the other interns, and this assistant youth pastor. And he got on a whiteboard and he said, all right, here's what you need to know. And for like 30 minutes, he was marking, he was writing down on the, the, the whiteboard the names and the players and, and how everything's gone and like 
10 times in this, in this diatribe, he goes, and this is where it gets crazy. <laughs> and, uh, and so we sat down and watched, uh, well, because it was getting ready to ramp back up. So they were showing reruns of the previous season, which would have been, I believe season five or six, season mm-hmm. six coming into, to debuting the, the season seven finale. So, it was the end of season six where the the, the spaceship's on the beach. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. And um and so and then so we got into it. That's when I really got into it. it. Was around season seven, which unfortunately was I believe the last season where Duchovny was a regular. Yes, it was. And then it went into the stuff with uh, Terminator two thousand, T two thousand, and uh, and the other lady, and 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 Scully ends up becoming kind of the the Mulder character. Yes, but then she turns up pregnant, mm-hmm. and well, she got she got pregnant at the end of season seven. That was kind of the big cliffhanger, right? And it all gets after Boulder got abducted by aliens, right? Yeah. And it all gets really weird after that. And and they would they would do things with Mulder where they'd actually show him abducted, and they had this whole vision that one time of you know the smoking yeah. man laid out in bed, but outside the window the alien invasion was taking place. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, I want to say that was season That was on season seven, seven yeah. Yeah, second, and, second episode. And I season. just remember, as I got into season eight, and, and and it all ended up closing out in season nine, I remember it being a little underwhelming to me, mm-hmm. uh, the way things kind of all played out with the series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not just, I wasn't mad or anything, you know, but it was, it, it was a, little, a little bit underwhelming. Mm-hmm. And um, and, and so uh, and then the X Files I Want to Believe movie came out in two thousand eight, which I know you are a big proponent of. Uh, yeah, I mean I liked it a lot. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I I there was, I mean I would probably listen to people's arguments about it, but I I mean I won't listen to somebody tell me it was trash. Right. But if somebody wants to tell me what they thought, maybe they should have done versus mm-hmm. what they did do. Yeah. That's one thing, but like. I thought the story they told was a classic X-Files episode. Well, and I think that's the problem people had is it was more like a um was like a classic, you know, non non-mythology episode of X-Files. Right. Right. And and people wanted if it was going to be a movie to really address this mythology and everything. Right. I I I don't think it was a bad movie at all and I thought it was a really interesting, you know, take on the whole Frankenstein story and all. Um Yeah, I mean the idea of this priest who who was not a good person. Right. Um, but you know, he believed that God was, ha- you know, having him experience these psychic visions to help save some of these people that mm-hmm. were being abducted and used in this Frankenstein type thing. I mean, there was just a lot of layers to that film that yeah. maybe maybe aren't looked at because it wasn't part of the mythology. Right. I think people didn't give it the, give it enough credit. Well, then season ten comes around. It was six episodes a couple of years ago, and you and I talked about this. Because I really enjoyed it, and I love the fact, I like the fact that it wasn't six straight episodes of just mythology stuff. Right, I did too, yeah. In fact, what they they did really well was they had the first episode be all really heavy mythology, and of course the last episode as well. But in in between, they would intersperse a little bit of the mythos stuff, but basically they did some great stuff. And I love the one, I love Mulder and Scully meet the were-monster. Yes. That was... That one was fantastic. That was probably my favorite one of the whole thing because it was kind of a reverse werewolf deal. 
Yes. Where, you know, the dude was, how, how did it work? He was a man at night and a werewolf by day or some such. Well, he was, he was a monster and, uh, somehow he had got infected by a person. Yes. So he was turning into a person and he hated being a person. Right. And so the idea was, you know, that he wasn't a werewolf. He was actually this individual, right? you know, this monster who turned into a man and hated being a man. And, um, classic uh there was a classic ex- funny episode uh x-files episode moment where Mulder's like scully i got video of it right here yes and you know the whole joke is like Mulder trying to use you know they're trying to use new technology and they're a little older and stuff and so he's trying to film it with his and phone he filmed himself. It reversed and it was him <laughs> screaming <into> it. <laughs> which i just oh man i had to stop it because i was laughing so hard at that part but you know? I, I i was a little Frustrated in that, in that Scully suddenly goes back into the skeptic's role. Yeah, you know, she did that um, in the current season they're in right now. There was a part where she did that as well. Um, I don't think, I think the way they try to get around it now is, you know, she does know about this alien situation going on. Mm-hmm. Um, they've kind of... You know, as big as they made it in the original run of the show, they've kind of backed off on a lot of that stuff now, and they've kind of cut it back down to the simplest. I don't want to say simplest because it's still very intriguing, but it's it makes a little bit more sense given where we are in the world right now this, with how they managed to kind of um, explain away some of the stuff that happened. Right. Um, but she, I mean, she is a skeptic when it comes to Mulder's going to say, well, obviously it was the Loch Ness Monster, and this is just an example, but mm-hmm. obviously it's the Loch Ness Monster, and she's like, no, it's not. And he's like, why? And she's like, because it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. Versus, you know, him going, I'm telling you, there's aliens out there, and her saying, no, I don't believe that. But I think, I think they still, even this latest episode, they had a conversation about what was going on. Mm-hmm. She didn't quite believe what was going on. And she wasn't as adamant about it, but she didn't quite believe what was going on. Um, that was happening supernaturally, or at least it was implied that it was. So, um, I just, you know, one of the things with the show is obviously the dynamic with Mulder and Scully, um, but also how much of an outcast they're treated at the FBI. Yeah. Now, really, their only friend is is um, Assistant Director Skinner. Mm-hmm. You know, at the FBI, I mean, Mulder has these these confidants who who work inside the syndicate. Um, the syndicate is this group that's kind of controlling what's going on with the aliens. Um, and uh, he has one that he's nicknames Deep Throat early on in the show. Um, and these people either get killed off or betray him as the show goes on. Right. Um, but as far as true allies, I mean, really, Skinner, you know, until you see the lone gunman in season, I believe, season two, Mm-hmm really feel like these two are on their own yeah and, and skinner is you know he comes under a question several times throughout the show well too. that's I mean, the thing is is early on you don't know if you can trust skinner or not right, right. and even actually i'm gonna say this and this is not quite a spoiler it's just, just kind of right now currently they don't know if they can trust him. oh wow so there's been some developments this season that I'm- have happened first three episodes you cleared it up with me this afternoon the other night i was trying to find the the premiere after it had aired of this season on hulu and i couldn't find it and um and you you've cleared up for me that it is there that the show is there that they do have them on hulu 
Yeah, it's strange. I, I went through because I was looking at all the what they had new TV and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. it's not there. And I even went under Fox. Yeah, it's really not listed there. So I finally just did the search and hit the X Files, and it came up then. And it's just like that's really weird. Yeah, that's like, unfortunate. I'm looking at this link you sent me to the to the Wikipedia page about all the episodes, and and the and I don't know what good ratings are right now for network television, but they're getting about half the viewership on these uh, on these episodes that have aired as they did last year in the same episode, you know. Oh yeah, and, I, and and they've you know they've all but said this is it. Yeah, this last and is it. I mean, um, Jillian Anderson said this is definitely it for her. Yeah, and Chris Carter said I've never had to think about writing the X Files without her, so I don't think I would continue without right. her. And when you look at what they used to get, I mean, at the height of this show, they were getting 13, 14 million viewers. Yeah. You know, and TV's changed so much sure. over the years. I, I would imagine this is one of those shows that, you know, Fox is okay with running these partial seasons or, or what they, you know, right. maybe they're not considered partial seasons anymore, but I think they're okay with running these little event series of because they'll know that they'll make money off it at some yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, whether it be through Hulu or, or whatever. Um, because it's just, you know, nothing on television comes close to this anymore. And, and you know, I watched Fringe, most of Fringe, mm-hmm. and I have and I have actually have last season. I need to complete it. I have it on my shelf here. But, and it, it is good. Uh, it's not X-Files, though. Well, you know, I, they had it on Netflix for a minute, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I watched it. But at the end of the day, I was just like, I, I had the same thing. I was just like, this isn't X Files, you know, and and right. it and it felt like it was trying to be a replacement for X Files, and yeah, and, in some ways it was, yeah. yeah, you know. So I mean, I just I'm like you, it didn't, and it's not a it's not really a criticism to that show per se. It's right. more of like just nothing, you know. Even Supernatural, which I've enjoyed to varying degrees over mm-hmm. the years, um is not the X-Files. I guess so, yeah. I mean, I guess maybe... I don't know that they meant to try to be the X-Files, but... um, Yeah. You know, but it, but it feels like, you know, they definitely kind of have that, that a bit of that vibe to them. You know, I mean, there's, there was early episodes, I remember, of Supernatural where I could be like, well, I could see Mulder and Scully investigating this. Right, exactly. It'd be a neat but, crossover. Right, yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah. I think so. But I mean, you can certainly see X Files' impact on pop culture even now. Sure, I mean, they, you know the story arc situation, and you know just just the even stuff like you know the chemistry between Mulder and Scully. I mean, um, you know how many shows have we seen that do? And I know that's kind of been around for Moonlighting and all that kind of stuff. I know that's been around for a while, mm-hmm. but. I feel like they really brought it home. I mean, that, I don't. I think it's easy to look back now and just say, "Yeah, that was kind of a little sci-fi show that was under the radar." But this was a really big part of pop culture, right? Right. In the mid to late nineties. Oh, know? sure. I think, I, of course, it was. Of course, it was. And you know, every uh, here's a step out. Every generation on television, there is some show that has this sci-fi bend to it that really just catches on with people. You know, it scratches an itch. It may not, it may not stand out as much now as it did in the days of cable television, and everything as it did back then. You know, when networks were still kind of, you know, the the place, the landing place for 
you know, most of your TV watching. But um, but there's mm-hmm. still there's still those shows that come along that scratch that sci-fi itch for the pop culture, for the zeitgeist, if you will. I mean, you look in season mm-hmm. five, Dave, and and I'm looking right now at some of these numbers. Uh, season season four, uh, the episode Leonard Betts. Um, mm-hmm. twenty nine point one five million viewers. Uh, mm-hmm. The season five premiere, twenty seven million viewers. The finale had eighteen million viewers, twenty mm-hmm. million viewers in the season six finale. And then after that, it kind of hovers around that fifteen, sixteen, seventeen mark. For the rest of the series, you know, with the finale, with the series finale only garnering about thirteen million. I say only based on you know some of those previous numbers. Well, 16 million right. views for season 10, uh, season 10's opening, and they never dropped below 7 million viewers throughout the rest of that little season. And they opened with only 5 million viewers in season 11. In, in, in just two years, you know, I, I don't know if maybe the end of that episode turned people off, the end of that season with the cliffhanger turned people off to even catching up, or if it just flew under everyone's radar this time around. You know, I'm surprised the diehard X Files fans haven't turned out to see this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, but I, you know, I'm glad it's on Hulu because I'm going to catch up. You know, it's only six episodes, um, but I, I'm definitely going to catch up. And I actually, well, it's actually ten. They're going to do ten. This oh, year. really? Yeah, fantastic. Well, that's yeah, still so that, even the, better. And yeah. I really need to go back through and rewatch the whole series because. There's a lot around season three, four-ish that I missed, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I, you know, I definitely want to go back and, and revisit some of the stuff. I'm just scared to watch it at dark, you know, at night. <laughs> you know. Well, like, what's that now? Season. I mean, they're very. I say, especially some of those seasons in the middle there. Those are very scary. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm not, a, I'm not a scaredy pants or anything. You know, right? But I just don't want to. Yeah. Well, I find it. You know, we talked about it a little bit last time I was on, but the impact this had on something like Stranger Things, even now, they don't really reference that. Uh, they being the um, uh, the creators of Stranger Things, right. whose name is escaping my mind, but um, they reference Stephen King and, mm-hmm. and and Spielberg and stuff like that. But you can clearly see. You know the impact of something like X Files, and I agree. We talked about it. You know, yeah. when we did that rewatch there. So, hundred um, percent agree. Hundred percent agree. If you've never watched the X Files, I, I mean, I suggest get into it. I, you know, I don't know, <clears throat> I don't know how you're listening to a geeky show and haven't watched the X Files. But, uh, but if you haven't, I, I strongly urge you to to give it a chance to get into it to scare yourself a little bit. But also, it, it's fun. It really is a fun show, mm-hmm. and, um, and and it has some great mystery to it, and and some great uh, suspense and, and stuff to it as well. So, um, can so, I? Uh, I want to go through. I'm going to pick one kind of episode per season that's not necessarily related to the story arc. Okay, so great. Just kind of recommend them that way. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's an episode called. Um, of course, I mentioned Conduit, which is certainly one of my favorites from yeah. episode one ice is one that i absolutely love it's they're up in the um, they're up in the arctic and they're stranded at a base i mean think is this kind of like their thing yeah the thing yes yeah. i mean it is freaking awesome mm-hmm. um one of the one of the better ones 
Uh, season two, the host I mentioned earlier, I couldn't pick another one better than the host. Um, just absolutely creepy. Uh, season three, um, a lot of good ones, but this one of the scariest ones I saw was grotesque, um, mm. which is kind of about the gargoyles um, and what's going on with the gargoyle legend. Um, but at a close second of season three would be Jose Chung's From Outer Space, and that's where <laughs> the guy's writing the book okay. on the UFO abduction. Really, yeah. really hilarious. Um, season four, I'm going to say, um, let's see. You can tell I'm running through these. Mm -hmm. I would say The Musings of the Cigarette Smoking Man, Oh, um, where Frohickey from the Lone Gunman. Yeah. Is the whole episode he's explaining to Mulder stuff he found out about the cigarette smoking man. Mm. Really good episode. Kind of shows you his backstory. Uh, season five, the best one, one of my favorites of all times, if not my favorite, is called Folly Adieu. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the next to the last episode, and it's where this monster, <laughs> there's this workplace kind of uh, where they make phone calls. Um, and there's this boss there who, like, is basically a monster, and there's only one guy can see it. And so Mulder can't even see it until at one point he starts seeing it. Mm. And nobody else, and everybody thinks he's crazy, and they lock Mulder up in, in, in a sane asylum. And, I mean, it's, it's really scary stuff. Um, so that one's really good. And by see, the way, at the end of that season, the very next mm -hmm. episode is when they burn the X-Files and they basically shut it down. Yeah, they, they smoking man lights a fire and burns the whole office and so, to pieces. So yeah. the, the X-Files movie, um, it wasn't, what was it called? It, it had a subtitle to it. Uh, Fight it? the Future. Was it Fight the Future? Yeah. Um, it, it opens up with Mulder and Scully just being regular agents. Yeah, they, they work on domestic <clears throat> terrorism. And so, uh, and at the end, spoiler alert, this this someone tells the cigarette smoking man they've reinstated the X Files. Oh yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It is good. Um, there's an episode called Monday on season six where the day keeps repeating itself, and they have to figure out what it is that's causing it. Because even Mulder and Scully don't know. They're like because they get reset every day that it starts. It's their Groundhog Day episode. Yeah, and mm -hmm. so at some point Mulder kind of figures it out, and he keeps saying this one phrase to himself so that he'll remember it once the day starts over again. Oh, nice! And it gets triggered somehow, and he remembers it the next day, and so they figure it all out. Um, also, field trip from that season, season seven. Uh, some good ones here. X Cops, probably just because of the format. So yeah. unique. You mentioned it earlier. Well, that's the one where um, they show him the uh, the the artist rendering, and it's Freddy Krueger. Yes. At one point, yes. yes. Vince Gilligan. <laughs> Vince yep, Gilligan Vince wrote Gilligan. that episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He wrote a lot of great episodes yes. of X Files. Yep. Uh, season eight. This is the season Mulder goes away. Um, I cannot, for the life of me remember the name of this episode but <laughs> there's this episode where scully goes down to mexico and these people think she's got this they put this thing inside of her back that's like a slug mm -hmm. and she's telling them i'm pregnant stop stop and they are they think this this slug thing is like the next incarnation of jesus and so they're all like worshiping this thing. That's Roadrunners. 
Roadrunners, yes. Oh my gosh. And uh, Doggett, John Doggett, that's uh, Terminator 2 character. Right, Robert, Robert Patrick. Patrick, yeah. Yeah, he, who was awesome in this show. Oh my gosh. Uh, but uh, I remember he comes in at the end and he shoots the thing like a hundred times. You know, I don't know. It's, it's really good. Um, and then season nine, uh, some good stuff going on. Let's see. See, in season nine, they really ramped up mostly mythology episodes, as I they, recall. Yeah, they had several. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a good one called Scary Monsters mm-hmm. that centers around an evil little girl, and that's always creepy. They had several of those yeah. where the little kids would be kind of scary. Jump the Shark is the episode where, spoiler alert, the old lone gunman Yes. Uh, yeah, that one's that one's sad. sad, but it's a good it's a good one. Yeah. Um, and they had kind of a sequel to that this season. Mm. In the new season, this is the second episode oh, cool. where they kind of address what happened with the lone gunman cool. and stuff. So really good, but yeah, just just some good ones to watch and and but I mean, I, like Steve says, um, from season ten, I'd recommend the one we talked about, Mulder and Scully being yes. a monster, <laughs> if for no other reason than the telephone scene. <laughs> Yeah, then, the, then the, I got a video scene. Yeah, yeah, that's some absolutely. Good stuff. So, I think uh, I think you know, there's just some really good work that was done on this show. Um, the conspiracy stuff can seem all over the place, and I'm not trying to make excuses. A show that runs nine years like that, and and you know, movies and stuff like that, I feel like they did let maybe the mythology become bigger than it maybe it needed to be. Right. At certain. At certain. Exactly. Points. Sure, they did. Um, well, especially in those later seasons, um, yeah, you know, yeah, when the you, super soldier yeah, and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. It but, got a little, I think it got a little wet because basically the show ends, um, the original run and you realize that the colonists have kind of taken over these high level positions mm-hmm. in the United States and some older and them are on the run and it's like, okay, where do we go from here? And then, you know, fast forward six years later and you do this standalone movie. And that was always the thing. I remember asking my dad during the run of the show is sometimes I'd be like, how can they go back to investigating Monsters of the Week when they know this alien invasion's coming? You know, like, right. like right. you knew if you knew, wouldn't you spend every minute of every day trying to stop this thing yeah. Yeah. somehow, you know? So I, I guess there was some, some um, you know, kind of some stuff there that was here and there. But, I mean, a show that runs that long, I mean, you know, we're we're both huge fans of Smallville, and there's certainly some inconsistencies there. But you know, you just you just go with it, man, because yeah. your love for it outweighs all the negatives. Yeah. So. Well, it, you know, the 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 whole of a series is basically an act two. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can't do act three until that series is over, and you hope that you're able to get that series finale. And you know, and regardless of, as I said, maybe that final season was a little underwhelming. Um, you know, they eventually, they, they did their best to pull it all together there in those last two episodes that aired, as I recall, as one big one. Oh, yeah, um, big movie, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I remember the helicopter blowing the smoking man up, is what I oh, remember. Oh, yeah, melted his face right off That's the right. bones. And, like, yeah. he's a, like he's a darn, uh, look, he's looking into the Ark of the Covenant or something. <laughs> Pretty much. In Indiana Jones. I always think of, <laughs> always think of that. Um. Well, so Dave, I, before we we wrap up, because this is the finale episode of the mm-hmm. Cure Marathon, and we're sitting at two thousand ten dollars raised of our five thousand dollar goal. I hope that everyone will 
We'll donate at geekoutonline.com slash cure. If you're listening to this via the podcast feed, you have until January 31st to go to geekoutonline.com slash cure and, uh, and donate. I, I kind of wanted to do a bit of a mashup with you, Dave. Uh, right. And I wanted to, uh, to, end, to end on some Big Honkin' Show stuff. Wait, that's not Big Honkin' Show. <laughs> you're not Irish. It's the Big Honkin' Show. Streaming live at Mixler.com slash Goldiverse. <laughs> With your host, Steve Glossin. Me gusta la honkin' gran espectacular mucho. I like the Big Honkin' Show a lot. <laughs> Now, The Big Honkin' Show with your host, Steve Glossin. big honking show you know it you love it it's kind of become a staple it's as much of a backbone of the goaliverse as is geek out loud and on this finale episode of the cure childhood cancer marathon where we have teamed up with cure to raise money we're encouraging you to head to geekoutonline.com slash cure and donate you have until january 31st push us over that five thousand dollar mark and uh, let's have another successful year Let's let's overcome the odds. And now enjoy for your listening pleasure. We're gonna rock it all out. We're gonna close out with a big honking show. We've got a couple of smooth criminals. Oh, it's gonna be so good. Dave, are you ready for this? Did we lose Dave in all the in all the hoopla and hubbub? Oh no! No, I'm here. I'm here, okay. bro. You, you are you ready for this? I said. I am. Yes, sir. Okay, here we go. Uh, we start with a smooth criminal. You've been hit by. You've been struck by a smooth criminal. Dave, this comes to us via the Huffington Post. Uh, William Rutger, sixty-one, of Tarpon Springs. He's a Florida man. Oh, you know what that means this is? means it's Florida news what's as that? well. <laughs> Dude, what's that? I was just laughing. Oh, yeah. It, it's Florida news, and I can't pull up my... Everything's... The, the computer's getting as tired as I am. It's, uh, it's what the Florida, ladies and gentlemen. Some Florida news for you here. There we go. Dave, we're going down to that little dangly thing that, uh, that hangs off of Georgia, embarrassingly so. Oh, wow. Down to Tarpon Springs, where William Rutger, 61 years old, 
He is the author of Alcoholic's Guide to Adventure. Okay, it starts right there. Wow. Yeah, it's Florida news time. When you've got a book like that, when you've got a, a I don't know if it's a book or a pamphlet. Florida news. What the Florida? All right. So here's here's what he did, Dave. Uh, he called for emergency help around 1:30 a.m. on Tuesday. Now you know what Mama always said. What's that? Nothing good happens after midnight. That's true. He should have been in bed. Uh, called for emergency help around 1:30 a.m. Tuesday, saying he wanted his arachnid wife to be given <laughs> to be involuntarily given a mental examination. <laughs> His arachnid wife. Now, for those of you who need a little help with the vocabulary situation here, an arachnid is a spider. So a spider lady. Right. Pinellas County deputies who responded to the call said Rutger appeared to be highly intoxicated. No. Ra- raise your hand if you're shocked. <laughs> he wrote the Alcoholic's Guide to Adventure. And he's drunk calling nine one. He's drunk dialing one nine nine one 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 nine one one. He's drunk dialing nine one one, and he's like, "Hey, I need you to come over here and give my wife a mental examination." He's like, "You remember that thing on Lord of the Rings?" Oh yeah, that big Grab old Frodo. Yeah, he, it's coming. <laughs> What is, that little that little fellow with the hairy feet was running from that giant spider? That's my wife. I don't remember what movie it was, but he would he turn invisible with the ring. God Almighty! I put on that wedding ring and I turned invisible to her until now. She's trying to kill me and eat me. She's got her eight legs and her talons. Her little pincher mouth is just snapping at me. Oh, my gosh. She's crazy. She's a snake lady. She's a spider lady with snakes in her head. Um, wow. So, go gators. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they responded. Pinellas County deputies said Rutger appeared to be highly intoxicated, slurring his speech smelling of alcohol, and unable to express his thoughts coherently. <laughs> I just want you guys to know, wow. I love you so much for coming out. You just mean the world to me and my wife. What's that, sir? Your wife? Uh, he, could, he could just hand him his, uh, his little pamphlet book, and I think that might explain everything. You've been hit by, you've been struck by a smooth criminal. I just, uh, she's a spider. spider. I mean, go, go gators. <laughs> Yo, you guys don't like gators or Seminoles? Oh! <laughs> the deputies said. <laughs> said they warned Rutger not to call 911 except for an emergency and left. What do you mean it's this emergency? She's a spider woman trying to kill her. Wow. That's an emergency. If you got a spider woman trying to kill you, that's an emergency, good guy. <laughs> he's, so, he's slowly sounding more and more like Harry Carey. Hey, guess what? The message went unheeded. 
Rutger called 911 again about 90 minutes later, repeating his complaint that his wife had become a black widow spider. Oh, my God. According to the police report. Look, I called you guys earlier, and I just want you to know my wife's turned into a black widow spider. This does sound like an X-File. I Look, here, I told you this earlier, and my God, she's ugly. I just... <laughs> Sir, you wanted mental evaluation? I do, because she's a black widow spider all of a sudden. You can't be right in the head and be a black widow spider. I want to have alcoholic adventures, but this is not what I wanted. <laughs> According, at that point, deputies returned to Rutgers' home and arrested him on a charge of misusing the 911 system. Rutger was taken into Pinellas County Jail where he posed for the below mugshot and was released about eight hours later, according to WFTS. Or WTF. Um, <laughs> this guy looks exactly what you would think he looks like, by the way. He's got a, he, he's got a tiny bit of a mullet happening. <laughs> of he, course he does. He's got the old salt and pepper beard that's mostly salt. A little bit of pepper in there. One eye appears to be bigger than the other. Of course. It's that drunk, lazy eye look he's got going. Either that or the Black Widow bit him on the eye. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, Rutger is the author of the 2009 book, The Alcoholic's Guide to Adventure. It's a lighthearted jaunt into the sublime world of drunken decadence, according to its listing on Amazon. It has 4.5 stars based on two reviews. I kind of want to read this now. I tell you what, you really want to have fun. Drink so much, your wife looks like a spider. <laughs> he was so drunk, he was seeing he was seeing quadruple. His wife had eight arms all of a sudden. Or maybe he was just seeing double, and it was the two. It was four legs and four arms. My God, woman, you're a spider! <laughs> they get away from me, spider! I'm calling 911. 911, what's your emergency? I need you to come check out my wife. Thanks, sir. Mentally stable. Sir, what's that? Mentally stable wife. She's not stable. She's turned into a spider. <laughs> sir, are you saying your wife's turned into a spider? I need some police. Oh, my gosh. Only in Florida. Only in Florida. Only in Florida. I wish we had audio of the call. Now, I mean, I could only say, I mean, what if this woman, I mean, this happens out there. I'm not trying to be a jerk, mm -hmm. but she may have hair on the chin anyway. Mm. And then that hair just gets just bigger and bigger. And then, of course, she starts looking like, well, I don't know. Jackie, how'd you meet your wife? She's that freak show beard lady. I'm the bearded lady. <laughs> oh, uh, let me see if I can find this drunk man. Dials nine one one spider wife. Hey, I made up a song about you, baby. Spider wife, spider wife. She's so crazy. She's a spot. Oh, let's see if we have any audio from this. This is the report. Tarpon Springs is in big trouble from for what ABC Tampa. saying to 911 operators while reportedly drunk. Pinellas deputies say William Rutger told 911 that his wife is a black widow spider. 
He asked that she be Baker acted. That's the law that allows authorities to force a mental health evaluation. Well, deputies went to Rutgers home and they say he was slurring his speech and he smelled like booze. He's now charged with misusing 911. Oh, well, that doesn't give us the that's not fun. It was very well spoken, though. Thank you. It was. Now, Dave, finally, we're going to go up the coast a ways, clear across the, the eastern seaboard up to Maine. Mm. <laughs> um, Belfast, Maine. Dave, police in Maine have accused a man of punching himself in the face three times to avoid a sobriety test. Three times. <laughs> Police in the town of Belfast say they found 27-year-old Brian Fogg in his car stuck in a ditch last week. WGME-TV reports police said when they tried to test for his blood alcohol level, Fogg punched himself in the face, causing himself to bleed. Police tended to his injuries instead of giving him the test, but later charged him with operating on the influence, falsifying physical evidence, and criminal mischief. He's been released on bail. He has an unpublished number, and it wasn't immediately known if he had a lawyer. I'm going to bet negative. Yeah. Unless old daddy's a lawyer, I think he might be in some big trouble. Dave, let me uh, let me go to a dad joke really quickly. Is this what they mean by punch drunk? <laughs> oh, Lord. That is a dad joke, and I love it. Sir, we're going to need you to step out of the car. We need to give you a, uh, a sobriety test here. Bam! 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 I'm going fight. I'm fighting to fight. Dave, he, uh, this, is right, this is straight out of Liar Liar. They look, sir, what are you doing there? I'm kicking my own butt. So, oh what, yeah, but was his plan to like look like he'd been beat up? So he could get the case thrown out. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if he was trying to avoid the field sobriety test. I don't know if if it was. Um... So he did this while they were watching him. Right. Okay. Because I was thinking if he wrecked, it might be a good like, I don't know. The guy was in my car and he punched me and he ran off. And I ran Bees! Off. Bees! <laughs> Don't roll around on the ground, sir. We need you to. Uh, we need you to step out here and. What? What are you doing there, sir? Sir, no, don't do it. Not again. Oh, that was the one. Yeah, they want some teeth. Well, he knocked himself right out. Can't give him a field sobriety test now. I mean. Oh Lord. I mean, really? Oh my goodness. He. Just... <laughs> oh hey, lord sir sir have you been drinking sir no no officer i haven't <laughs> sir we're gonna <laughs> i guess we can get him for resisting arrest he's not resisting us he's beating himself up get him on assault <laughs> sir stop it stop it ow Wow. What are you doing in there, sir? What do you think I'm doing? <laughs> he tried to slam his own head in the door, but they wouldn't let him do that. 
Oh. Tried to rub uh, soda in his eyes that he had there. That's right. <laughs> he he happened to have a pack of salt from a fast food restaurant. That's right. <laughs> Started pouring it all in his eyes. You've been hit by, you've been by a smooth criminal. Ow! <laughs> Sir, you been drinking? Sir, I just need you to answer the question. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. I used to do that to my brother all the time. Grab his hands. Oh, so, yeah. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. This guy is like, really, sir, stop hitting yourself. Oh, man. Dave, and this dude, he's got the big red, like he, y'all, this is Dave. Have you been in? Oh, no. Have you been in Belfast, Maine? <laughs> I have not. This guy could be you having beat yourself up. Oh, my gosh. He's got the red hair. He's got a big old red beard, though. Yeah. And he, he looks to be thick now. He looks to be well, stocky. Well, that's got to be me. I'm going to tell you, based on the shape of his hands, he may have some heart disease coming. Oh, well. He's he's. I, a, I, don't, I don't think I'm quite there yet. He's a big old boy. Just wait till my daughter gets in uh, high school and starts dating, and, and then Dave, I might be there. I mean to tell you, dude didn't let off of himself. He's got a bloody lip. He's got a he's got an eye that's swollen and cut, and the other eye looks like it's going to be black before morning. I mean, I'd like to hear his version of events, just to. Well, I'll, I've got it. I right. want to know. I, I want to get inside the mind of this guy. Well, here here's here's the only audio we have from him. That's he. Uh, I totally thought you were gonna play like a clip of Rocky talking no. or something like "Cut me, Mick." No, this is uh, this is the only. Uh, this is this is. We got a lot. Here we go. <laughs> this is all he'll do. You ask him. <laughs> That's the one that hurt right there. Set with himself. <laughs> he was so upset with his behavior. He was he self. He to... was self flogging. Yeah. He said, "Kapoya, kapoya!" And that boy, that hell just came in. I looked at my opened my door and I looked out my door and started hitting me in my head. I took off running and ran to my restroom and then I called my mama to see what she all right. <laughs> this thing was 10 foot tall. Oh, Lord. He had beautiful hair. <laughs> he... He starts punching himself. <laughs> he starts punching himself, and the, and the officers are. Now wait a minute! Now wait a minute! <laughs> oh man! Good night. Jr's riding by. My God! My <laughs> this God is my witness. He's broken in half. Oh man, Mickey's over there. Just lay down, lay down. He gonna murderize you. He gonna murderize you. The dude tenderized his own face. That's for sure. Mm. God bless him, man. Alive. I wish you could. I, I should. I'm gonna send you a link so you can see this guy's Please picture because he is. 
Dave's like, like he kicked his own butt in a big bad way. <laughs> like, you know, I used to do things for I was talking you've met Crevice. Mm-hmm. Crevice called me the other day, and Crevice likes to just sit around and reminisce and and um Oh wow, it came up the link came up with his picture. So you can just look right there in the Skype chat, Dave, and see it. Um Gosh. Crevice called the other day and he reminded me we were at a youth event one time at this big church down in Jacksonville. And this was back in the high school days. And you, you know, I I'm I like attention, you know, in public. I like having a stage and and back then I didn't know how to temper that desire with, you know, common sense. And so we were coming out of the auditorium where things were going on and um and and the way it was, we were up in the balcony area, and so you walked, you know, down toward the front row of the balcony, and then you walked out down some steps, almost like you would at a stadium, you know, where you come up into the stadium on steps, right. and you know, and then you and then you walk up more steps. To get you. Well, we walk, we get to those steps, and I'm like, Crevice, watch this, and I just drop and fall down the stairs, like just roll down the stairs, on purpose. Yeah. And so I land out in the out in the uh, out out in the foyer here of this place, kind of not. It, and we still have to go down to the main floor from where we're at, walking up stairs. Um, but it's kind of open air, and you know, there's a rail where you can look over, almost like you'd be in a mall kind of situation. And uh, Crevis runs down to me. He's like, "Crevis, get up, get up." And so I get up, kind of like shaking and everything, and and I kind of stumble around. There's a huge concrete pillar. And I just walk smack dab into it and fall right back down on my back. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It looked like the boulder in Indiana Jones is what Mark Hamill says. <laughs> Rolling down that thing. <laughs> but here's the thing. Even in doing stuff like that, we used to be walking, you know, down the road or whatever, and I would run up to a street sign and just jump into it and act like I just slammed my head into like a speed limit sign or something, you know. Um, I, You know, I'd hit, I, just to be stupid, just to do silly things. And, you know, I, I would do pratfalls and stuff all the time, but I never did any, I could never bring myself to intentionally hurt myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, I, I don't like pain that much. And so, um, so I can't imagine, you see the picture of the guy there. Oh yeah. You, you know, you, your brother there. Uh, <coughs> you, you, you. Well, I tell you, you know what? I thought about this. He looks like one of those wrestlers we saw down in, uh, down in, down in Lyons, Georgia? Lyons, yeah. Georgia. You talking about old Brian Fogg? That's a good wrestling name, by the way. <laughs> like he comes out with the, the shirt on and like, not just shorts. Right. Not just jean shorts, but like the ones he's cut the legs off yes, of. And like yes, the, the, the cutoffs. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the old cutoff shorts. I just yeah. don't, I'm like you, Dave. I need to get in this man's mind and understand what his thought process was. Well, you know, there's one, I mean, you, this guy could be a genius if things have gone another way. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he beats himself up and somehow <laughs> can make sense of this, but he did it right in front of him. Right. That probably wasn't. The and best that's thing where, and that's where Dave, that's where the charge falsifying physical evidence comes from. <laughs> well, you remember the scene in fight club when Edward Norton goes into his boss's office and just starts beating his own self up. Yeah. And then threatens his boss, basically, telling him he's going to tell everybody that. So you think this guy was saying, "I'm so crazy, you don't want to mess with me"? Yeah, I mean, like the cops are just like, I mean, I know that I would probably stay, take a step back. 
maybe get the if you get the taser ready. Yeah. You know, you just don't know what's going to happen. I feel like if it weren't winter, he'd be better served with the bees angle from Tommy probably. Boy. Yeah. yeah. For yeah. sure. For sure. He probably cracked the door thinking, I'm going to do the bees, and then he felt how cold it was. He's like, nope. Got to think of something else. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. He's looking around trying to figure out, and then he just sees his hand, and he's like, well. This is all I got. This is it. <laughs> Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. If I beat my own ass, they won't arrest me. <laughs> well, there that is. Daggummit. Oh, my goodness. Daggummit. Oh, well, let's end on a positive note, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, let's see what we got here. Um, no, that's not going to work. Um... Let's see if we've got another one. Oh, well, this is good. Here's a positive note for you. Dave, in the... They didn't see this one coming. Uh, A psychic who got paid $3.5 million for exorcisms got prison for evading U.S. taxes. Wow. Didn't see that one coming, did you? Missed that one. Yeah. A self-proclaimed psychic was sentenced on Wednesday to 26 months in prison after admitting that she tried to avoid paying taxes on over $3.5 million that she received from an elderly Massachusetts woman seeking to cleanse herself of demons. Sally Ann Johnson, 41, was sentenced by U.S. District Judge Denise Casper in Boston, who said the evidence suggested the psychic took advantage of the Martha's Vineyard residence, you think, as the woman began to suffer from dementia. There's a strong inference of fraud here, Casper said. She ordered Johnson to repay the woman nearly $3.57 million she received from 2007 to 2014 and pay $725,912 in restitution to the U.S. government for the taxes she avoided paying. Now, here's the psychic who never passed the second grade and calls herself a Romani spiritual consultant pleaded guilty in October trying to impede the administration of tax laws. In court, she apologized for that conduct. But Johnson denied she took advantage of anyone. Her attorneys called the elderly woman intelligent, if not eccentric, and fully competent when she employed Johnson. I am not somebody who would do wrong to anybody, Johnson said. Mm. Hmm. Very well put. Yeah, well done. I'm not somebody that would take advantage of anybody. I would do no... I'm not someone who would do wrong to any... I bet what she really said was, I ain't somebody who'd do wrong to nobody. I'm sure that's it, how it went down. If it were in the South, it would be, but this is Boston, where they all speak with proper accents. Oh, oh Boston. Yeah. So justice has been served on that woman. Bless her heart. Take it, 3.5 So million. she has to pay back the $3 million. And still pay taxes on it. And still pay the taxes? Yeah, I feel like... Look, I'm not like saying... she got off easy. I'm just kidding. I'm not saying that she should not be punished for what she has done. But I am saying that if she has to pay back the money... And do time. I, and do time. I don't know that it, she... Because now the income is no longer income. Right. So I feel like the government's kind of, you know, skimming the old pot here. That's all well, I'm I saying. Think that, I think the idea is that they know she can't pay it back. Yeah. And well, so the idea is like, well... you. You're just going to have to pay us the rest of your life. Now, to evade the IRS's scrutiny, Johnson used an alias, directed the woman to wire payments to three different bank accounts, 
and withdrew large sums of cash to conceal the money's source, prosecutors said. Mm. She also accrued credit charges on a credit card held in the elderly woman's name, spending $20,000 on entertainment and jewelry alone. Wow. Well, there we go. How well, funny is I, it the judge's name was Casper? I mean, that's great. Like, just go ahead and exercise that ghost, why don't you, while you're at it. Judge Casper. This house is clear. I didn't know that psychics exercise ghosts. I thought that was a priest job. Well, it just depends on... Look, listen, it just depends on who you go after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. I mean, would you rather have Father Redding? Not Father Redding, that's a real father. Um, oh. <laughs> father, what's his name from The Exorcist? Oh, I or don't know. You, or no. would you rather have, uh, you know, who's a good psychic? I don't know. I don't know. This woman here's not one apparently. Here's what here's one here I've got some uh here's what she said in court. There I am doing it and there all my buddies are, they're doing it too, and we're all doing it together. <laughs> Direct quote. I come out here and rough talk him and run him off. That was and her. I said, Get away from here. Get <laughs> That was her way. That's her. That's her way. And he went right back out that path again. Yeah, that's how he she looked like. He had six fingers on each hand. That's how she. That's how she handled oh her gosh. business. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, all right, man. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we end the night uh, at the two thousand ten dollar mark at geekoutonline.com/cure. And we thank everybody who donated. Dave, thanks for sitting in, man, on on oh, this big fi- on the me, finale man. here. Yeah. And uh, and I want to thank everyone who's given. And if you again, if you're listening via the podcast feed, please go ahead and go over to geekoutonline.com and um, and, uh, and 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 donate there. You can do so until January thirty first. And uh, at what time uh, the the donations will be closed? And we're going to continue to put these links out. Please continue to share the link to your friends and on social media and everything, and uh, we'll be greatly appreciative of all that. Thanks to everyone who's joined us and been with us most of the day, if not all day. And everyone, I really appreciate your time and appreciate everything that's been going on uh, today. It's been a it's been a great great marathon today. And once again, thanks to Shaz Bazaar from Techno Retro Dads. Check out Techno Retro Dads; you'll enjoy it. Teresa, Kristen, Arish. Thanks to Vanessa Marshall for a run-in. Thank you, Dave Jones, for, for sitting in here late at night. I know that we, we've gone a lot later than what I thought we'd go with you, but uh, you were super patient and super kind to do this, my friend, and I do greatly appreciate you and your friendship, sir. Absolutely. Thank you, man. So uh, that's going to wrap us up. Until next time, let's do it this way. I'm Steve. And I'm Dave, and I swear to God, I've made it back to Geek Out Loud. <laughs> We'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud or The Big Honkin' Show.